What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Nick and Manny's Infinite Podcast. I'm one of your hosts for tonight, Emmanuel. Here with me, as always, my friend, my pal, my Discord buddy, the person I met online through other channels that we don't talk about. Nick. Nick, how are you? We talk about those channels all the time. What are you talking about, dude? Anyway, I'm doing. That's it. Not doing good. Not doing doing bad. Yeah. I love that response. That's my favorite. Yeah. It's, I was talking with some people and we were saying the same thing. We're like, if you ask someone how they're doing and they just respond with, it's been a week, mm-hmm. either A, they're a, bare na- they're a bare naked ladies fan or B, they've just had a rough week. <laughs> it has been a week for me. No, I'm with you there. But we're here. We have a new episode faster than, the, than we got the last one out. We wanted to get this one out in a timely manner because Bachelor in Paradise just ended and we wanted to have a guest with us and we do have a guest with us. Elena, our friend Elena is here. We're going to be talking about Bachelor in Paradise. Probably not in a you know short amount of time. We'll probably do the usual stuff that we do. But Elena is here. Elena, say hi to the folks. Hi, everyone. I know you really want this Bachelor news and... <laughs> Topic being excessively talked about, so I'm here for the people. You will be a bit more excessive than we were than we were last time. We kind of shortchanged Bachelor when we talked about it a couple episodes ago. There was a lot of game talk before. <laughs> Did you say there was a lot of gaming talk? Because there's about to be more gaming talk tonight. Yeah, I'll be here for that. But we'll exclude Manny out of a couple things later in the episode. Don't you worry. And then I'll exclude Nick out of a couple things as well because Elena and I will talk about Squid Game. So. <laughs> Ooh, yes but nick we're talking about video games already Let, let's start off you you have been playing some things i've been playing some things i think i've been playing less so i'll probably start off with that i'll save the big one for the end since we've both been playing that other than that i went back i've been playing borderlands 2 again because i just really like borderlands 2 and i'm excited for wonderlands so i've been going back and playing the tiny tina dlc which is assault on dragon keep Man, it's such a good game. It's just so fun. I don't like. I don't know what else to say other than it's a well-crafted game that Gearbox made that doesn't have predatory practices, really good gunplay, a good story, fun characters, and it's just nice to dive back into that one rather than Borderlands 3, which is kind of a slog in my opinion. I think it has the best gunplay, um, best visuals, obviously. I mean, they were made like five years apart from each other, but, but Borderlands 2, it's good. I give it... A recommendation. Everyone should go play it. Other than that, I got back into playing Stardew Valley. Me and the boys, we had a Saturday night. It was one of those things where I just texted them. I said, we playing Stardew tonight? Because the last time we played was May. And like we were going for a while where we were just playing Stardew every weekend and stuff. And so I texted them. I said, we playing Stardew? And all of us just had this collective, hell yeah, we're playing <laughs> Stardew. That's the so best. So we all got on. Oh, no, it's great. We all got on. We started farming. <laughs> my friend found out my friend found out that he could throw his baby. So he would go. <laughs> what? He would just throw the baby up in the air. <laughs> it's great. But the best part that I always love about playing games with that group of friends in particular is the music that we'll put on. Because we have a tendency, you know, like we do have like good music that we'll put on. We'll put on like, I don't know rock music or old music like 80s pop Huey Lewis in the news come on we talked about this last time maybe we did I can't remember but Huey Lewis in the news it might have been on the uh, might have been before we actually started that, recording the show though it might have been I know that whenever we're playing Battlefield you got to put Kenny Loggins on I mean, <laughs> da- danger zone Kenny Loggins on 
yes, danger zone. And it's even better if you have like a, a smart device so you can just like, Alexa, play Danger Zone by Kenny Loggins. You get into a jet and you just hear boom, 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 Anyways, uh, Kenny Loggins, Danger Zone, great song. But when we play something like Stardew or like State of Decay 2, we will put on bad 2010s music. Oh. So we'll put on some like Kesha, some Katy Perry, some Gaga, Black Eyed Peas. Hey, hey, that's not bad. <laughs> hey, listen, we put on Rihanna too. Like, come on, you gotta love some Rihanna. Um, I, don't, I don't have to love anything. <laughs> Be quiet, come on, you like Rihanna. I've rarely um, listened to Rihanna. Listen, I honestly oh, couldn't name three songs that I've actually right. listened to. I'm about to leave. Mm. I feel like that's a lie and you just don't know that you know Rihanna songs. Like, what was that other song that we that I was saying like, oh, yeah, this song. Oh, no, Harley was talking about a song. Our good friend Harley Payne. He was talking about a song and you're like, oh, yeah, I don't know this artist at all. And then like, listen to this song. It's like, oh, yeah, I definitely know this song. <laughs> oh, God, I, I remember and I don't remember what it was now. We're sorry, Harley. Yeah, it was something that your mom liked. Yes. Oh, I um, had it and then I just lost it. Fuck. Yeah. Anyway, the last time we played, the most memorable thing that I remember we said was, oh yeah, I could totally commit vehicular manslaughter to Die Young by Kesha, because it's just one of those songs where, you know, if you ever play GTA and you have like Los Santos Pop on, or Nonstop Pop, sorry, that, that's the name of the station, Nonstop Pop, and you just do ridiculous things. So we just started saying like, oh yeah, this is a song that I could totally see myself killing people in a car with in Grand Theft Auto. So this last time, I can't remember exactly what it was. It must have been some Lady Gaga song. I think it was a Lady Gaga song. So it comes on, and my friend Trevor just goes, Oh, look, it's another vehicular manslaughter song. <laughs> but it's just one of those things where we'll go through, like, song after song. I Got a Feeling came on by the Black Eyed Peas, and all of, like, the three of us were just singing every word and when it came to like the days of the week, we said the double Saturday because they say Saturday twice and I got a feeling. I don't know why they needed more days of the week, but. Uh, You're taking me back to 2010 yeah, so with did. that one. I do have vivid memories of the, the period where that song was the big thing. It was right when I started. Oh, MFA oh. came on. I think that was when I like was a freshman in high school and it was just like, I'm living it up. <laughs> the best high schooler I can be right now. They played that at one of the Super Bowls. I think it was the Packers Steelers one, if I remember correctly. That would have been 2011. Oh, it might have been. All I know is that Black Eyed Peas was really big for a while, and William, you know, he's there. He's still doing his stuff. Not Will, I am. No, it's William. His name is Billy. Okay, <laughs> Billy. Um, Manny can't read punctuation. That, that's what we're learning here tonight. <laughs> Exactly. Okay. When I read, people have to tell me there's a comma there. Take a pause. Uh, sorry, just to but, confirm, the Black Eyed Peas, along with Usher and Slash, did play at Super Bowl 45 in 2011, which was the Packers beating yo, the Steelers. Listen, listen, you can hate the Black Eyed Peas, but you can't tell me you don't like Usher. Okay. I know. Usher, okay, I know less about Usher than I know about Rihanna. I'm sure I've heard Usher, but I don't know a single Usher song by name. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's <laughs> funny is. No, I'm with you. I know less Usher than I know Rihanna. But the reason why I know a lot of Usher is actually because of Minecraft music parodies. What? Growing up as a kid, right? I'd hang out with my friends and stuff. And there was this thing that Minecraft YouTubers would do where they would take songs and then make lyrics related to Minecraft about them. And then do like these really high budget produced like animated music videos. 
So one of them, which was really popular, was by a YouTuber called Captain Sparkles, and he did one called uh, Revenge. It's called Revenge, where essentially a creeper blows up this person's house, and they're trying to kill the creeper for killing them. <laughs> but it's to uh, DJ got us falling in love again. It's like, it just, for some reason, I can't hear that song and not think of the Minecraft parody. Like, it's sad. It's really sad. I hate that th that that's my association with Usher, on top of just liking Usher in general. Yeah, Minecraft music parodies. If you haven't known about them, take a take a dive. Go listen to Revenge by Captain Sparkles. Sure, I'll, I'm going to go do that right now. We're going to stop recording so I can go listen to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need all of you guys to go listen to it. <laughs> um, but outside of that... I don't think... Oh, I've started playing Lemniscate, which I think we talked about privately. I don't think we brought it up on the podcast last week. You told me a little bit about but it, and Lemnis I installed it. Lemniscate is this kind of, like, turn-based strategy game. It's real-time turn-based is what I've been calling it. Yeah. Because each person will take a turn, but it creates a loop because it's as if you're doing a uh, RTS, which is a real-time strategy game. So each person will take a turn sending out their units, and when they send out their units, the next person can then change what happens. So if I send one of my units to uh, capture a flag, they can then send an enemy to go kill that person, and I never reach a flag, and that ends their turn. So then at the next time, my person goes to a flag, and I can deploy another person to try to stop them from being killed. It sounds really complicated, but it's actually, like, really easy. You're just putting more pieces into the game as it keeps looping so you can see how you will affect it. I like it a lot because it's just cool. It's a cool concept because when I saw it earlier this year or maybe even last year, I was very confused as to how it was going to actually play out because you can do it either turn-based or both teams at the same time. But when you go into, like, actually playing it, it's fairly easy to pick up i mean you're just doing you're just taking turns putting enemies on a battlefield and it sounds easy and it is for the most part but it's one of those games that's easy to learn hard to master so i'm very curious to see if this ends up getting more traction if more people get more interested in it because i could see this becoming one of those strategy games like starcraft that ends up getting a lot of viewers yeah, I could see it becoming uh, like a cult hit at the very least. You you convinced me to look at some gameplay, so I went to watch a little bit of a Twitch stream, and it seemed very involved, like more so than you would usually get for a strategy game, which I appreciated because I don't like the distant nature of, of uh, RTS or turn-based strategy games. That's what kind of turns me off of them. But that game seemed like it struck a good balance, and uh, it seemed like it was gaining a little bit of traction. I haven't heard much about it in the last couple weeks, though, since we talked about it. So... I don't know. Maybe it's dying already. I'm not sure. But um, yeah. Do you want to tell the, the audience what service you can play that game on? You can play that on the wonderful Xbox Game Pass. You know, Xbox Game Pass. You play. You pay a low monthly fee of $15 a month for Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. That gets you access to Game Pass on your PC, on your Xbox, your phone. Now they're doing cloud streaming to your web browser. So if you have a strong enough internet connection, you can play it on your Google Chrome. You can play Xbox games on your Google Chrome. That's amazing. $15 a month, you're getting access to games like Lemniscate. You're getting access to Forza Horizon 5, which comes out next month. Halo Infinite, the campaign that comes out in December. 
a bunch of backwards compatible titles in older games like Jedi Fallen Order, which I also went back to go replay a little bit of some of that. You get access to Titanfall 2, all of these great games for a low monthly price of Xbox Game Pass, $15 a month. You get paid every, you get, you have to pay every three months, $45. You got access to all of these games. It's fantastic. It's great. And a legitimate non-joke plug thing to say about Game Pass, we're coming up on the holiday season and usually around Black Friday, they always have sales where you can get your three months of Game Pass for uh, usually like at least 33% off. That's how I got my last year of Game Pass was I bought a bunch of that around Black Friday time last year, and it was a good investment on my part. Speaking of Game Pass and the Black Friday deals, when a game is on Game Pass, and if you have an active subscription, when something goes on sale, you get it for even cheaper. You get like an extra like 20% off sometimes of games with Game Pass. So if, say, you want to buy the new Halo and stuff, but you have a Game Pass subscription, if it's 60 bucks, you'll get it for like 50 bucks because you have Xbox Game Pass. You're getting discounts on top of discounts with games. It's fantastic. I mean, it's really a no-brainer service. That I, it, no, it's great. It's fantastic. I use it every month i'm always like oh cool this new game is on there last month i played skatebird which i don't know if you played skatebird skatebird is exactly what it's on it's tony hawk's pro skater but you're a bird (laughs) this sounds incredible oh it's great it's janky it's definitely a game pass game but i mean hey the beauty of it yeah one last game that i played before we get into the rolling one I played some Back for Blood last night. Back for Blood is the spiritual successor to Left 4 Dead 2. It's made by Turtle Rock Studios, who a lot of the people that are there now worked on Left 4 Dead 2. So this is a spiritual successor to that. It's the first time returning to something like this. The last thing Turtle Rock did was, I believe, Evolve. That was the last thing they did, mm. which I liked Evolve more than most. I didn't play it extensively. I played, I would say, a fair amount of it. But I like Evolve, so now we're here with Back for Blood. It's a zombie co-op shooter game, survival. You're going through different parts of a map, and you have to get to safe zones that you can save your progress, and you're getting new weapons, new swords, new melee, new grenades, all this kind of stuff to help you survive a zombie horde. And it feels like I'm playing Left 4 Dead. My friend Trevor, I mentioned him earlier, he said... This wasn't a game that I would probably buy for $60, but, you know, if it's heavily discounted, I probably would do it. But because it's on Game Pass, like, boom, perfect. You can buy it right there. There are some, there's a lot of fair criticisms when it comes to variety of the game, some of the microtransactions, some of the design decisions, the PvP aspect of it, that people are just, like, really mixed on the game. But from what I've played... I've enjoyed it. It's like I'm playing an updated version of Left 4 Dead 2. I don't know if I'll be playing this more than Left 4 Dead. Probably not, because Left 4 Dead 2, I can add mods to where I'm killing Teletubbies or Shrek Ogres and all those kinds of things. So I don't know if I'll be playing it more than that, because Left 4 Dead 2 is a masterpiece of a game, in my opinion. But Back for Blood, for the 15 bucks a month that I'm paying for Game Pass, well worth it. I tried the open beta they had a month or two ago. Uh, I played a couple games of it. It was, I think, uh, I think two different like campaign missions or scenarios that I went through with people, a couple of them with my friends, and it was fine, but it, I, I didn't feel very strongly either way when I was playing it. Like The core gameplay isn't bad, but it just felt like every other zombie horde game that I had seen or played. It didn't feel 
like anything too special to me, which in a way makes it a good Game Pass game. I don't know if I'll end up even installing it or playing it ever again. Um, it's not bad. It just didn't grab me in any real way. I think that's kind of the thing is that it's, for me, the thing that sets it apart is just how well polished everything is. I had one bug that wasn't even like in game. It was just like an FOV bug where I had to walk back into the firing range to fix it and all that stuff. But it ran great on my mid PC, uh, my mid range PC. The last thing that needs to be changed out is the graphics card, which you can't find a whole lot of right now. But I mean, it ran great. It's super well polished. I think I think that's kind of the thing. Like you have World War Z, you have Rainbow Six Extraction, you have all these games that are essentially Left for Dead clones that have come out a lot recently. There's been a lot of them that have just come out recently so i understand that so if you are kind of like burned out by it i totally get it i'm not saying that it did that for me either that like it was great but it's just nice playing one of these games with friends that is really well polished and flushed out but other than that i think that's it i think that's all i've been playing okay i i've played a couple things uh we have the one mutual game that we're going to get into in just a second uh, i was trying to think if there was anything else i played so after I beat Skyward Sword a few weeks ago, I had about a week and a half before I got the two new games from last week that I was going to get, and I don't remember what I did in that meantime. I don't think I played a whole lot, uh, but last week I finally got, on the day it came out, I got Metroid Dread for the Switch, and I'd never, I played one Metroid game before to its completion, which was Super Metroid on the SNES app for the Switch. And I love that game. I think it's incredibly well-designed, and it holds up incredibly well for an almost 30-year-old game. Uh, it's great, but it did get a little a little monotonous toward the end, and I thought, I thought it was a little too cryptic in terms of where to go, and I felt like I got lost a lot. I had to look up a lot of guides just to look for how to get from point A to point B to get to the next point in the story, because it doesn't really tell you much. I don't need to have my, my hand held all the way through a game, but there's a little bit I need sometimes to get me to at least know where I'm going from point A to point B, which Super Metroid didn't always have. Uh, Metroid Dread, to me, is a perfect evolution of what that was. I haven't played the 2D games that have come in between, uh, so the the couple that were on the Game Boy Advance and then the, the Samus Returns game on the 3DS, I haven't played those yet. I really want to now. Um, but this feels like just a perfect evolution of what, of what Super Metroid was all those years ago. It's incredibly smooth, it's incredibly polished, it looks great, it runs great at 60 FPS on the Switch, and it fixes all the problems I had with the formula for Super Metroid. Like, you have a full, clear map that you can explore in the pause menu. You can see what routes you have to get to where you need to go next. You can see points on the map that you haven't gotten to yet, so you know something is still left to be explored here, and I'll have to find a secret way to get in there. But I at least know where I need to go next, and I always felt like I knew where to go next. I had to look up a few guides for stuff here and there, just because I felt like I was going in circles a little bit. But it was a joy to play. It's not too long, it's not too short. I beat it in nine hours, I think, was the official in-game runtime that I had in terms of not at the pause menu, not at the main menu. It was nine hours of gameplay uh, for me to beat the final boss and finish the game. Um, it was excellent from start to finish. I think I said in the Discord that I would give it a 10 out of 10. It's my favorite game of the year so far. If Halo Infinite's better than this, then Halo Infinite's an all-timer, I think. It's just, it's a damn near perfect game, I think, it, in terms of presentation, in terms of gameplay. It's just an incredibly satisfying gameplay loop that's constantly rewarding because you start out with a stripped down version of Sam. It's not literally stripped down, but she doesn't have she doesn't have all her abilities. She gets them all taken away at the beginning, and that's that's kind of a Metroid staple. 
and you slowly build them back up, you learn to survive with what you have, and you you just grow stronger and stronger throughout the game, and you feel how much more powerful you're becoming because enemies that were difficult to fight earlier in the game, once you get a certain ability, oftentimes if you go back, they're a lot easier to kill now, and you can feel your progression and your evolution as a character, and it's a rewarding experience. The bosses are great. You just feel empowered from start to finish in a great way, and it's just, I think it's almost perfect, I would say. No, I've heard a lot of great things about the game. I have a friend who's a big Metroid fan, and he was very excited to play the game, and every time that I've talked with him about it, he said that he he absolutely loves the game, that it's by far his favorite game of the year, and I've been hearing that from a lot of people. Um, I, I think there has been some kind of backlash. I don't remember for what exactly, but I know some people are upset about something, but for the mo- oh now I know what it was people were saying like oh wow Nintendo's selling this game for sixty dollars whereas you look what PlayStation gives you for sixty dollars guys they're different value propositions they're different va- this isn't going this isn't trying to be that um, but yeah it's not trying to be a PlayStation exclusive level game it's doing what it wants to do and it's doing it incredibly well so I think that's great to hear that you loved it I will maybe get it I have played a couple Metroids here and there. Um, and this one does look interesting. I like side-scroller, like, Metroidvania games. I played, you know, like, Ori games I, I enjoy, so I am interested in this genre. Um, oh, I forgot to mention, I've been playing Hades, but, I mean, it's Hades. Everyone knows about Hades. Uh, but yeah, Metroid, I've been hearing a lot of good things, so I'm excited to see if I end up picking it up. Yeah, I also played Ori in the Blind Forest for the first time about a year ago now, and that's a great Metroidvania. Super Metroid's obviously... The, pretty much the the impetus for the term Metroidvania, that and obviously Castlevania. But like Super Metroid was the big one, and it's still considered one of the best games ever. I like that genre a lot just because, like I said, it's it feels incredibly rewarding to... Obviously, most games have character progression, but the way those games handle character progression is just incredible, and I feel like Dread does it especially well. There's... There's like a genuine sense of tension with with the enemies that you fight. There are certain enemies, and I don't want to get too much into spoilers because I know people who haven't played it yet and they really want to play it. And I'm glad I went into this game relatively unspoiled. But there are certain enemies you fight that are the most tense stealth section, certainly that Nintendo's ever done. And that's that stuff had me on the edge of my seat a couple times. I had to. It's like that meme with the gamer who had to lean forward slightly on his on his desk chair. That was me a couple times, uh, trying to get through those enemies and getting through the boss fights. It was just. And rewarding is, is the main word I, I come away with. But yeah, I would, as far as the value argument goes, I would much rather have a five to 10 hour game for 60 bucks that I think just is perfectly paced and I can replay over and over again, which I will with this game for sure, than a $60 game that's 100 hours that I get bored with 50 hours in and I just have to trudge to the finish line at that point, like Assassin's Creed Valhalla, for example, which I think is good up until it isn't. Games like that, like, I technically got my money's worth out of because I did have a good time with it, and I did put a lot of time into it. But I'll remember Dread a lot more, and I'll play Dread a lot more in the future. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think saying, like, oh, this game is worth $60, I feel like that's subjective to a lot of people. There are games that are well worth $60. God of War. Uh, Marvel's Avengers. Listen, I was about to mention Marvel's Avengers, but I'm I'm burned out on that conversation this week uh for those of you who don't know marvel's avengers started selling consumables to make your to get your xp higher i'm not going to talk about it because i'm just kind of over it 
but Marvel's Avengers, do better. Come on, man. Come on. Every week, every week I'm here trying to defend you and you do something like this. It, I, Guardians of the Galaxy comes out later this month. I'm excited for that. Looks like it's going to be a good time. Anyways. Yeah. Elena, thoughts on Metroid Dread? Looks cool. <laughs> I've been Googling this entire time. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we got one more game to talk about, then we'll get to the fun stuff. Let me take you back to the early 2000s. A little console called the GameCube had released, and with it was this interesting game where there was these monkeys inside of a ball, and you had to navigate through all these different levels to get to the end of the goal. Guys, Super Monkey Ball is back with Super Monkey Ball Banana Mania. I have so much love for the Super Monkey Ball just franchise. I've, I say this to a lot of people that say, like, Super Monkey Ball, really? Uh, yeah, I remember me, my brother, like, my whole family. We went to Sedona uh, for something. I think we went to, like, the Grand Canyon and then also Sedona. But while we were staying in Sedona, my parents went to a timeshare meeting. I guess. I don't know why they went. I guess it was something like, oh, you can stay here, but you need to come to a timeshare meeting. So they went, whatever. And we were staying with a babysitter or something like that. And me and my brother played Super Monkey Ball 2 all night, right? So we played that. I have that memory of just sitting down with my brother, playing that on a GameCube, going from level to level and failing each time and hearing the wah of the monkeys as they fall down into a bottomless pit. So, you know, played that. Fell in love. Then I played Super Monkey Ball Touch and Roll on the DS. Played that. Also love that. Then I didn't play another Monkey Ball game until Banana Mania. Banana Mania is a remake of Super Monkey Ball 1, Super Monkey Ball 2, and some of Super Monkey Ball Deluxe, which was originally Super Monkey Ball 3, but that just sort of became a repackaged deal. It has been so good to come back to these monkeys. I cannot tell you. I just, I picked up the controller, I started playing, and I just had all this wave of nostalgia just fill me. I remember seeing all the monkeys. You have I, I, you have the mom, I forgot what her name was. You have Baby, you have Gon Gon, who is this giant just like brute that's like Donkey Kong. You have Grandpa. Oh my god, it's been so good to just, like, like just be back. Be back. And go from level to level. I was t I was texting you as I was playing it. I got through like the first two worlds in like ten minutes. Yeah. Like in a span of ten minutes, I just started beating the first two worlds, and it's just been so good and refreshing to just sit down and play a game that I don't have to think a whole lot about. You know, I, it's not narrative focused. It's not any of these things. It's just fun, and that's what I just love about this game so far. Yeah, I. I have a monkey ball, I guess kind of a monkey ball story. The only time I'd ever played a monkey ball game, I don't know which one it was, but it was on the GameCube. I was visiting family in Colorado, and all the adults were upstairs just talking, and all of us cousins were downstairs with the GameCube. And I went downstairs after we got there, and all my cousins were playing one of the monkey ball games. And they were doing, what is it called, monkey target? The one where you fly over and land on a target? That is indeed monkey target. Monkey target. Uh, they were playing that and I was enthralled, and they handed me the controller, and I was even more enthralled, and that was about 15 years ago, and I've never played a monkey ball game since. It, it was one of those, like, magical, elusive memories where I just wanted to, I wanted to relive that, and I had never been able to. It was kind of like the Smash games were for me until I got Ultimate, because I had played them 
I had played them like off and on as a kid at people's houses, but I'd never owned one. And I just always thought I always had such fond memories and thought they were the coolest thing of my childhood. And I'd never been able to properly experience them. I kind of felt that same way with Monkey Ball. And I finally got Banana Mania for the nice price tag of $39.99. It was nice to not have to pay $65 bucks for a game. And I, I'd never played the actual core gameplay. I hadn't done the story mode or anything. I'd literally only done a couple games of Monkey Target in, like, 2006. Uh, so it was interesting to actually play the core gameplay. I, I didn't know how it worked. I didn't really know anything. I just knew this was finally the time for me to get into Monkey Ball. And I really like what I played so far. I think I'm midway through the third world, I want to say, right now. Uh, it's funny, the game is really, like, it's not super easy at the beginning, obviously the first, the first level is, but the first world's pretty easy, and the second world has a couple challenging ones, but the game just all of a sudden gets ridiculously hard, at least for me, and every level now is a struggle for me, and it, again, I go back to the word rewarding, it feels rewarding to finally figure out how to get, at the very least, to get to the goal for the first time in a level, and then obviously the replayability comes when you're going back through and trying to get all the bananas before you score, or get to the goal, and I'm gonna have to do a lot of that, and that prospect excites me. One thing that's disappointing me, I guess, is that I really wish it had actual online multiplayer, because playing Monkey Target with you or with, with other friends just sounds like a blast, and I wish I could actually do that. Yeah, I'm with you. The only online multiplayer that they do have is, like, leaderboards for getting through levels and stuff, so that sucks, because I would like to play things like, like today I was playing monkey bowling and monkey billiards and like, I just love those kinds of things of just like sitting down and just playing mini games. And it would be fun to play with other people. I was, I was streaming the game for a friend of mine on discord and we were like going through saying like, no, 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 you got to go a little bit more to the left, a little bit more to the left and like just doing all those kinds of things. So I do, I'm with you. I wish that there was some form of online multiplayer, um, but something I feel like would be interesting for people to know is the different ways that we're playing. So I'm playing to where I'm just trying to get to the end of the goal, but you have been playing uh, that you're trying to get all the bananas. Well, not all. At the start, I was trying to get them all. I was at least trying to do like a good run through because I, I kind of started with the first mission because the first mission is so basic and easy that you can just get them all easily. You just have to do a little circle around the edges of the of the platform. Uh, after that, it gets a little more tricky. And at this point, I'm just trying to get through them for the first time because it's very difficult. The last one I did, which was, I think, World 3-2, Reversible Gears, it took me probably 50 to get to the, the goal in the center. Like, And it was yeah, pure luck that I actually did it rough. even then. Yeah, it's rough. 4-6 is... You're going to hate 4-6. Oh, good. Like, I'm hate, I'm hating these levels, but I'm enjoying them at the same time. It's not it's not an approach in the same level as like a big boss fight where you just you slowly figure out the patterns and you slowly get better. It's a lot of times it just feels totally luck based. You just have to really have a feel for it more than anything. It's just kind of something you have to get yeah. a feel for. No, yeah, I'm 100% with you. 4-6, which is the one that I'm stuck on right now, you drop down and you're like all the way at this bottom area and you have to shoot yourself up to get to the goal. It's it's a pain trying to get it perfectly fine and you know getting everything right but when i do i'm gonna feel so proud of myself and so accomplished oh my god it's just so good and and the song like the menu song th that is stuck in my head i didn't like, have my volume like, up high enough to really make it out oh man the music the music is great in this game fantastic but yeah super monkey ball banana mania it's great it's a great price tag 40 bucks you're getting 
a lot for your money is worth. You're getting 200 levels, I believe, because it's 100 per game. So you're getting some 200 levels. Then you're getting bonus levels. You're getting you're getting mini games with that. So you're just getting a lot for your money. And I think 40 bucks is very reasonable for this. Uh, the only thing that I have an issue with is the DLC. I don't like the way that they handled the DLC. I think it's really bad. But... I hate myself for spending five bucks so I could play as a Dreamcast. Did you also get the Halo? Did you also get Hello Kitty with it? No, I wasn't spending any more than that. Ah, dang it! But that gives you, but that gives you all the classic characters, right? Like it gives you the classic versions of Ai Ai and Gon Gon and Baby and all that stuff. I think mine was literally just you, the three consoles, which is for five bucks. That's kind of pitiful, but it was like you can play as a Game Gear, a Dreamcast, or a Saturn. I think. Yeah, I think that's what it was. I just, I, I find the idea of playing as a Dreamcast funny. So I was like, yeah, fuck it. I'll I'll do this and get some jokes out of it. No, yeah, I'm with you. I was not proud of myself for that, but, you know. No, I wouldn't be proud of you either. <laughs> no, but I think 40 bucks, great price for this game. Um, the last couple of games for October that I can think of that I'm looking forward to are Mario Party and Gardens of the Galaxy. So... Once October's over, we go into November, which is Battlefield. Oh, I didn't even, yep, didn't play Battlefield, but not looking very promising, which is sad because I love Battlefield. But November's Battlefield and Forza. Forza, I'm excited for. And then Halo. I think that's it. I think those are the last four games. And Pokemon Brilliant Diamond. Couldn't care less. I, I hate how that game looks. What? I love the way the game looks. The art style. No, I mean, I mean, like mechanically. I know they're remaking a DS game, but my God, it couldn't be any more obvious that they're just remaking a DS game. It looks just. And, Link from the Past did the same thing. No, not Link from Link's Awakening. Sorry. Yeah, but that's good. Pokemon's not good. Dang. You don't like the chibi-looking style characters. The chibi look is whatever. I just think the game looks kind of cheap. It, it doesn't look like for a remake, which it is to me entails more than just making the graphics a little better. I don't think this is really a remake. This is a remaster. Have they said that it's a quote unquote remake? I don't know I think, what they've like, said. Let me look this up real quickly because I'm pretty sure what the like they've remade it from the ground up. Yes, but it's more of a remaster. But also I'm not, just in general, I'm not enough of a fan of like the Pokemon formula to play another game that is mechanically kind of inferior to the one that we already have that was made for the Switch. I know people love... I mean, is it inferior, though? Yes. Yes, it actually is. I know people don't love Sword and Shield, but it is It is technically inferior to Sword and Shield in that way. I can't agree, because I, I love this generation, honestly. I think it's an underrated generation of the Pokemon, the Diamond and Pearl. So. Uh, it doesn't say if they're, like, remade or anything like that. But yeah. yeah, I saw footage, and it's like... I'm sure it's fine, but I only I only have so much patience for the Pokemon formula, and I've already played a Pokemon game this generation, so I'm good. I have no need for... I like the way this game looks. I like the simplicity of it. It's just like, we talk about like Super Monkey Ball and the simplicity of that. That's the way that I feel about this game. I'm like, I like the simplicity of making this game play on, you know, this hardware. I mean, pff, listen, you played, you just played a... What was the name of that Zelda game? Link's Awakening. No, no, no. Not that one. The new one. Oh, Skyward the Sword? Re-release. Skyward Sword is literally just a port of the Wii version of the game to a Switch. Yes, but with, with a ton of improvements that make the game more playable. 
and it looks better, and it runs at 60 FPS, which is a big difference, and it's much faster, and the game is pretty expensive to buy for the Wii, so it I didn't feel like I was losing anything by buying it on the Switch, because I've never owned that game, and I also don't have a Zelda game that's like that game, because the only Zelda game I have on the Switch is Breath of the Wild, or I guess, I guess Link's Awakening, but that's different. The only 3D Zelda game that you have available on the Switch until the N64 thing launches is Breath of the Wild. And Skyward Sword's a lot different. It's different. Both of them are bringing improvements to their version is what I'm saying. Like, Pearl and Diamond are both bringing improvements to, the, to like, their version of the game, too. So I think it's just kind of, like, throwaway to say, like, oh, but, but Zelda brought all these improvements. And I'm like, hey, Pokemon's also bringing the improvements. Listen, I don't... I have, like, a huge amount of patience for the Pokemon formula either, but I think to, like, just say, oh, this isn't doing anything when you haven't played it is kind of just, like, reductive. It doesn't interest me because I don't care for the Pokemon formula to begin with. I don't need another one. Skyward Sword I had never played before. It's entirely different than what the most recent Zelda game is. That's the difference. And I like Zelda just in general more than I like Pokemon. Which is 100% fair. Yeah. It, it just doesn't look... It doesn't look tempting to me. I'm glad people finally get the remake that they wanted because no, people wouldn't shut up about that remake for at least like five years now. I'm glad they're finally getting that and I hope people are happy with it, but it doesn't interest me at all. And I'm also bummed out that that's anyway. the big holiday title for the Switch because it's not one I'm interested in. Mario Party is my big holiday title. But while we're on the topic of Pokemon, did y'all see the Firefighter Blastoise skin that they put in Pokemon Unite? <laughs> this game. I still have... I still have to play Pokemon Unite, but every time you bring it up, it intrigues me even more. Elena, it's free. I love this game. <laughs> me and my group of friends genuinely love this game. Max, Levy, if you're listening to this, but my friends Max and Levy, both of you guys, I know that we said we're going to try to play this on Sunday. Let's do it, because I want to play some Pokemon. I have my Cuban Blastoise skin that I didn't have to pay for, okay? I haven't paid for it. And now Firefire Blastoise is in this. They are treating my boy right. I am so happy after they, they made the whole, like, delay. Like, they didn't release him at launch, which made me very upset. But now that we have Blastoise, and he's been given two great skins, I love it. The only thing that sucks is that they didn't give Squirtle sunglasses, so we can't have a Squirtle squad. So I'm really disappointed about that. Damn it. Like, that, the game was good the until they didn't give today. Squirtle sunglasses. I know. I know it's been it's been my most disappointing thing, but other than that, I I love Pokemon Unite. I'm gonna keep singing its praises. Play it. It's free. It's on your phone. Play it on your phone. It's great. I I just downloaded it. Woo! Boom. But anyway, and that's been what we've been playing. Alana, thank you for sitting through all that. That was more video game talk than I thought we were gonna have. Yeah, we ended up going all good. a little bit over, which seems to be the theme of the podcast. But Nick. You went and saw a movie last week. You and Alana both went to go watch a movie last... Well, you guys both saw the movie that came out last week. Talk about it. Alana saw the movie that came out last week? I didn't know that. Didn't... Wait, I what movie saw... is this? No, which, which movie? Yeah, yeah. Nick, you've been watching Bond films. Talk to us about that. I saw No Time to Die. <laughs> I think that's what Manny was getting at. I saw No Time to Die last week. Alana, what did you see last week? Was it No Time to Die? I was not able to go to the theaters last weekend okay oh oh this was last night dude i know what you're talking about now <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah whatever whatever bond film you guys are talking about they're all the same to me tomorrow never dies die another day tomorrow d d <laughs> golden eye golden finger no time to die die another day tomorrow never dies like 
can you put die in more titles? Three out of 25. That's not, that's not a great percentage. I mean, if you have three out of 25 that have the same thing in it, I feel like that's a problem. Especially if you're like, if you're, if you're someone like me that doesn't know James Bond and like, oh, you see that last James Bond movie? Oh yeah, you, yeah, Tomorrow Never Dies. It's like, no, No Time to Die. It's like, which one's that one? Like, come on. These titles get confusing to someone who isn't a Bond person. To a complete outsider like you, I guess. Yeah, so uh, last night you meant uh, I finished my Bond marathon, as I've been documenting on the show here and on Twitter. If you follow me on Twitter, you've been seeing my big, long thread talking about each movie. Uh, I finished my Bond marathon last night. I had to go out of order uh, to make sure I got through the Daniel Craig movies before I saw No Time to Die, which I did see last week and I'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, but last night was the final one that I watched for the marathon. And because of how the order in which I watched them, it ended up being the last Pierce Brosnan movie, which was Die Another Day from 2002. But among the three of us, I'm not the only person who watched that movie last night. Elena, do you want to talk about Die Another Day? I am so excited to talk about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've honestly never talked about this movie with anyone else except my sibling because for some reason, this movie. I've probably seen it over 10 times. There's so much wrong with this movie, but there's so much great in it. And that's why I think it's, it's so fun. It's such an underrated, fun Bond movie. Uh, Underrated is not the word I'd use, but yes, it's kind of fun to make fun of. It's a good get drunk and shit on it with some friends kind of movie, I think. Yeah, because honestly, the Daniel Craig movies don't do it. Because it's, they're just all too serious. Yeah, Spectre, Spectre kind of kind of does it. It's a little more silly, but they try and balance that with the ultra seriousness, and it doesn't always work. But Dino Day is like almost gleeful in how ridiculous it becomes, and this happens a few times over the course of the Bond series. And usually, they'll follow up a movie that goes a little too far in one direction with a, with a course correction in the next one to make it more grounded and serious. So after Dino Day, we got Casino Royale, which was totally in the opposite direction. Which was a result of Die Another Day, which I think it still did okay at the box office, but it was maligned and it didn't do great, and they ended up... I don't know what the story was with how they got rid of Pierce Brosnan, whether he left or whether they got rid of him, Uh, but that was his last Bond movie, and I don't think it was meant to be at the time, because he wasn't too old. I think he was 48 when that movie came out, and like most of the Bonds, uh, or at least a few of the Bonds, have played the role well into their 50s, so it's not like he couldn't still do it. And I kind of would have liked to see, if they course-corrected after Die Another Day, him do a bit more of a serious one for his last one. Yeah, and honestly, how they ended this movie, it didn't really seem like an ending. No, which which they never really do, because those movies are so, like, episodic. They're like, this is this is our movie, and when it's done, it's done. You're not going to see any of these, any of these characters we introduced, you're not going to see any of them again. Like... I, I do think, and I don't know if you know this, apparently they had plans to do a Halle Berry spinoff, which is why they brought in Michael Madsen as her superior, whatever he was called, as basically the, the U.S. equivalent of MI6, and they do a little spinoff series with her, which I can't, I can't imagine a world where that actually happened because it seems so impossible based on how Dying Every Day turned out. But honestly, missed opportunity because to me, Halle Berry is... The Bond girl of everyone's dreams. Like, I mean, yeah. The fact, she, the fact she doesn't die. The fact that she kicks ass and has amazing lines and literally kills Rosamund Pike's character with, <laughs> with the Art of a, War. A knife that's <laughs> <laughs> the Art of War, War book and a knife stabbing her through it. It's just incredible. I don't understand. Yeah, incredible is one word for it. 
Oh, God, that movie. There's just so much from start to finish. Like the whole the whole idea of the the main villain getting getting plastic surgery or whatever. No, sorry, was it DNA? DNA replacement sur DNA replacement therapy. Yes, he gets DNA replacement therapy to look like a, a white dude named Gustav Graves, and that's what he looks like for the rest of his movie. And then he greets his dad at the end, and his dad's like, "You're no son of mine." And I respect his dad for that, honestly. It's like, okay, what do you call it? Reverse Scarlett Johansson. Oh yeah, I said he reverse he re- reverse Scarlett Johansson did. I've never seen a James Bond film. Yeah, I know. This is the one to watch. This is the one to watch. Uh, is it? To sell him on the series? I don't think anything well, you're gonna do is gonna sell me on the series. <laughs> Casino Royale is the, by far the best movie of them all. I would say. Um, that you might actually think that's a really good movie, I think. But if you just want to laugh and have fun, watch action, see Halle Berry do her shit, you know, Pierce Brosnan, he's there, like, as a Vaughn, you know, but I think he and see a ridiculous science going on. <laughs> a, a, a Korean man turning into a white man. A white man? No! He, okay, so Manny, his big plot, right, is uh, the U.S., I think after World War II or whatever, my history is bad, but they put like a couple million landmines in North Korea to separate them from South Korea. So his big plan was to use this big space laser called Icarus to take out all the landmines in North Korea so they could blaze a trail into South Korea and uh, overtake South Korea once again. That was his big plan. And it was also his plan to impress his father, who was a general. And then when his father saw his son as the white man and heard this plan, he disowned him pretty much on the spot. And then he killed his dad immediately. He killed his dad immediately after this. So despicable me. How so? I mean, you're trying to capture, you're trying to get something from space to bring it closer to us. Despicable me. That is, uh, I'm trying to think of the word. That's the most basic thing I've ever heard. Is there anything else you want to say about Die Another Day? Honestly, why didn't he use that Icarus laser thing and just attack Seoul? Or just attack South Korea in general? Like, I don't get why you needed to use it for the landmine. Like, yeah, just keep just going further south. Why would you why would you stop? Just keep going further south. And then you would waste and then you would waste your soldiers like trying to fight. Like you have a fuck. You have a big laser. You're in the military. Surely you know that this would be the best tactical choice for you to uh, defeat the enemy as swiftly and efficiently as possible and also save all your soldiers. You think he would know that since he's in the military, but he did not know that. Yeah, but overall, great movie. Great. I definitely highly recommend. If I had a letterbox, it would be five out of five. It's a terrible movie. I gave it one and a half stars out of five. No. you're listening to it nearby to when this is airing it's currently on prime video i think so if this makes anybody go and watch it it's on there um watch at your own risk it's not good but it's incredible at the same time manny what have you been watching well let's see um ted lasso finished so i finished that and now that you're done with bond you can finally start watching that season <laughs> hopefully yeah, I'm I'm meaning to do that probably in the next week or two. I'm yes. on episode six. I'm on episode oh. six. And I, I just want to keep going. Of the new season? I need to finish yeah. too. Yes, of the new season. Yeah. No, episode, episode six was good. Was episode six the one at Wembley? No, not yet. No, okay. Never mind. 
Uh, I guess, spoiler alert, they go to Wembley, but I mean, they're in England. But it's also not old Wembley, it's new Wembley. Sorry, that's a whole thing. Anyways, um, so I finished Ted Lasso. It was great, and now I have to wait until November 5th for Dickinson to come back to watch my girl Haley Steinfeld play Emily Dickinson for one last season. And then Hawkeye comes out later that month as well. So November's a great month for me personally. I haven't watched any of the Marvel shows. I haven't watched... Um, you don't need to. I haven't watched Black Widow. Ah, Black Widow's mid. Black Widow's real bad. I don't like Black Widow. Um, and then Squid Game. I started that. I'm on episode seven. Y- y'all I'm go ahead. I'm not going to finish it. You're not going to finish it. I'm not going to... Fi- I know what happens at the end. So I'm not going to finish it. Like, I don't want to spend another two hours and I've just, like, lost interest in it. Yes, you've come so like, far, so you should see it through. That's how the, that's how it works. <sighs> I don't want to watch the last few episodes. I, I just, I can't get into this show. I've tried so hard. Like, the first episode, I was like, okay, this is interesting enough. And then the second episode just grinds to a halt. Um, a halt. And then the rest of the season, I'm like, okay, this is interesting. That's okay. Nothing about the show is quote-unquote bad. It's well-produced. The performances are well-done. The directing is well-done. But so much of it just doesn't interest me to the point where I'm just like, all right, well, I know what happens at the end. A, because I guessed it in the first episode. B, I'm just like, like, after a while, I was just like, I don't care about spoilers at this point. But Squid Game, I just can't get into it. Alana, I know that you really liked it. I say, like, I liked it a lot, but it's not, like, the best show from this past year. I also understand your point how you've probably seen something similar to this or you picked up clues that were really easy to pick up, you know, that may ruin. You pretty much don't want to confirm, like, okay, I already know what happened, so... I guess it's just that's the reason why you're watching it, but yeah. I I liked the performances. I like the music cues, and I I don't think it's the most like innovative show, but I still feel like there's value in watching it. For sure, maybe that's the thing is that I don't think it's that innovative, like everyone is saying. Like everyone has been praising the show, saying like oh my god, this changed my life, or, you know, really does something that we haven't seen before. And me and a friend were talking about, we're like, this is basic anime. Like, I feel like this is <laughs> just like, it's Battle Royale, it's Hunger Games, it's a basic anime. And, when, like, I hate to be that person, but the hype just absolutely killed this show for me, and any interest I have in this show. <laughs> and it And it doesn't help that the whole point of the show is critiquing classism and the way like poor people are affected and income inequality and all this other stuff. And then you have rich YouTubers that are making Squid Game videos like, oh yeah, I made Squid Game. It's like, you don't get the point of the show. And it's not hard to understand because it's so explicitly said in the first episode, this is the point of the show. And so seeing like audiences just don't get it. I'm like, we're idiots. We're all idiots. But I mean, I also felt the same way about Parasite. Like, I I saw Parasite, and I know that, like, this will get heat and stuff. Like, I saw Parasite, and I was like, yeah, this is fine. I didn't think it was the big, like, innovative thing that everyone else was saying. I appreciate the movie for, you know, what it did. I think it has really good set design. I like the direction. But, like, for the most part, I'm like, this is just kind of 
basic. Parasite was Dear Evan Hansen, but for Asian people, when you really think about it. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Okay, Nick, now hear me out. Can you explain that? Yeah, can can explain care to explain? <laughs> A group of people who are outside of a certain uh, group of people try to weasel their way into a family by using deaths to get their way into the family, and then it all blows up by the end of the film. Evan Hansen, you know, a character unalives themselves, and then Evan sort of weasels his way in to be like a surrogate son for the family, getting things that he never thought he had, right? Right? Now hear me out. The family and Parasite, what are they? Poor. So they're poor, right? You know, you see uh, the son, right? Isn't the, isn't the son the one that's the tutor or is that the daughter? Um, I think the son is the tutor and the uh, daughter is a babysitter? Babysitter? Maybe that's what it is. Maid, yeah. I think that's what it is. Um, they end up, I believe the brother ends up becoming the tutor for the girl of the rich family. Right? So, boom. Mm -hmm. There's one. But then they start unaliving the rest of the crew, like the rest of the crew, the rest of the family around them. And so, now the father becomes the driver. The mother becomes, I think she's like the chef or something like that. They don't the literally kill the other people, the though. I thought they did. No. They, they, they didn't. They, they start, but they start like planting things to. to yes, like they scheme their them. way into it. They don't literally kill the people. They, they scheme their way in. Both, both. Both are stories about people that scheme their ways into families that are better off than they are, and that it ends up with by blowing up in their face. Now, you know how I feel about Evan Hansen, but you also know that yes. Evan doesn't scheme his way into, into any of that. As it's presented, as the intent is, it's supposed to be an awkward situation that he can't get his way out of, and he keeps making it worse. Sure. It's different from deliberately scheming his way to try and elevate himself in the world out of desperation. But he does, he does end up scheming himself. Like, he does write the letters that are schemed. And in the show, they do it even more. Like, they write even more letters. Can't believe like, we're talking about this fucking movie again. Uh, <laughs> anyways, Parasite, it's fine. Squid Game, it's fine. Evan Hansen, it's bad. <laughs> Parasite is amazing. Squid Game is good. Very good. I'm sure Squid Game's a show that exists. I, I can say that. What has stopped you from watching it? Oh, because you don't watch TV, right? He doesn't have time for TV. He doesn't have time for TV. Well, he can go through twenty six Bond films. Yeah, I don't. I don't like being committed to one thing over a period of time. I don't want to do that. But you just watch twenty six Bond films. I don't like being committed to one thing. Continues to watch twenty six films in a series of one character because the new one was coming out. That's the whole reason I did it. I wouldn't do this normally. A TV show. I have to deliberately do it over an extended period of time just because. And I don't really want to do that. I'd rather just watch a movie on any given night or just play video games or watch wrestling or whatever I do rather than be rather than commit myself. But I'd rather do that rather than commit myself to something over an extended period of time, especially now that my time is more limited than it used to be. That's fair. Okay. But I heard that Squid Game will have a season two. That's most likely a prequel. I'm pretty sure they said that it'll have a season two. Yes. I'm yeah. Sure that's what they've been saying is that. Oh, Speaking of things on Netflix that got canceled after a certain amount of seasons, I watched On My Block. I, f I finished season four. Yeah. What? The most recent season. All right. So On My Block, it's this care. It's this show about these four kids in this fictional town called Free Ridge, California. And one of the kids 
is part of a gang because his brother grew up in a gang. And so the entire like impetus of season one is that they're trying to find this money hidden by this, uh, I don't want to say gangster, but like, what are like Hispanic gangsters? You're going to ask me to say that? I have no idea. I don't know. No, I don't know. But like, I guess. Cholos? Kind of like Cholos, but like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, Like the people like, you know, like they're in a gang, essentially. Right. So it's a gang. Um, but they're trying to find this money that this guy, little Ricky, hid in season one so that they can get their friend out of the gang so that they can buy his way out of the gang because he got jumped in and stuff. Anyways, season one ends, you know, things happen, then we get through more seasons of it. Season four is the final season of the show, and that came out Monday. I stayed up until 2 a.m. watching it, and then I woke up at 6 a.m. to finish it. Um, it's good. I don't, I think it's the weakest season. But as a whole, I still liked it. I still liked the characters. I like hanging out with Ruby, Jamal, Jasmine, Monse, Caesar, Oscar. Uh, they're all good. So I I liked season four of All My Black. I think it's the weakest. Um, but now they have a spinoff show that I'm trying to go work on. Netflix, hook me up. I will be a PA. I can be a, I can go get your coffees, folks. Come on. Let me just be a PA. Netflix, I'm trying to find a way that I can go work on the show. If you're having open, like, crew uh, applications, let me know. I want to go work on that show. That's the most Netflix thing ever. A show that's had four seasons and I've never heard a single word about it. I have no idea what the show is. Well, I mean, you're also not Hispanic, so. I have not even heard of this. Oh, no, yeah, that that definitely is the Netflix thing to do. There are a lot of shows, but I'm like, this has how many seasons? Like, You is coming back for a third season, and, like, I don't like that show for a myriad of reasons. Like, kind of the same reasons why I don't like Dear Evan Hansen. But, yeah, You is coming back for a third season, and before the third season even came out, they're like, all right, we're coming back for another season. I'm like, season four? Anyways, yeah, Netflix has too much crap. That's I was going to say, that's the same thing with, like, the entire streaming landscape. Every service has dozens of shows that I didn't even know existed, and they're on, like their third or fourth season and i just like there's so much shit that i can't that literally just can't keep up with it and i'm also not convinced anybody yeah. actually watches some of this stuff but it still gets multiple seasons yeah love life is coming back for a second season the show with anna kendrick where she you know goes through her love life that's coming back for a second season but now the main character is going to be william jackson harper from the good place he played chidi and Gunye. so i don't know maybe i'll watch that but yeah there's too much going on and then uh doom patrol i haven't watched the last two episodes uh, but Doom Patrol, I still love it. And the last thing that I watched was uh, Only Murders in the Building. Caught up, I saw... I was three episodes behind, so I watched those three episodes. And then I watched the episode on Monday night. And my suspicion, kind of from the first episode, was right. Um, we're going to see how they end it. But uh, I think I might have guessed who the person was in the first episode. <laughs> so that's always good to hear. He's single, ladies, I'm just saying. Listen... Listen, y'all need to call me out like this. Okay? <laughs> no, I'm hyping you up. You figured out the mystery in a, in a big show. Maybe. We'll see how they end it. But if the ending of the last episode is anything to go on, I think I might have been right. Man, sometimes these shows just make it too obvious. It could be a red herring for all we know. I don't know. But we have one more episode left in the season. And they spent this entire season saying, oh, no, it's this person. Oh, it's this person. Oh, it's this person. Because, you know, they're making a true crime murder podcast that they're going through all the suspects. Each episode's, you know, a different suspect and a lot of other stuff. And this person, for the last two episodes, was like, 
extremely kind of like sus. And so I'm like, all right, it's definitely this person, right? And going off of the last episode and the way that it ends, I think I'm right. So we'll find out next week, next Monday, 9 p.m., last episode airs, and then we're getting a second season. So good for everyone involved. Hey, I was aware that the show existed, uh, so that's that's one point in streaming in uh, in favor of the streaming landscape. This was the show with Martin Sh- Martin Sh- Martin Short Martin Sheen Santa Claus Three guy Martin Short. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Martin Short. That's him. So I actually watched a lot of stuff this week for somebody. A lot of it's TV, but yeah. I'm the movie guy. You're the TV guy. Because TV, like, like you talk about your like your schedule being busy, and I'm like, TV's just easier for me to sit down, watch 30 minutes, maybe an hour, and then go on with the rest of my day. But yeah. Elena, what have you been watching? Honestly, I think I've only been watching the things that we brought up. Aww. Squid Game. Yeah, died in a day. Um, and then slowly get through Ted Lasso season two. I I was accidentally spoiled, I think, for this season. So I kind of know where it's going. But honestly, so far, the show is just so enjoyable. And like, I just kind of want to keep watching it every time. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I should watch Midnight Mass because it's October. But you know what? I just want to stick to Ted Lasso right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of the same for Ted Lasso for me. I've heard a lot about what happens. And totally out of context, I don't like the direction that they've gone with, with some characters that I've heard about. Uh, but I'll see if it works better within the show. I'm sure it'll work better within the show than what I'm thinking it is right now. Um, but that's that was the sucky thing about me hearing about the show. Just all the people that we know that that talk about it is that I've heard some stuff. That's just a result of that is that I've heard some stuff. But I was going to ask something about Die Another Day. So you watched it, you said, with your husband last night, and I went to bed before you finished it. What did he end up thinking about the movie? <laughs> so for context, my husband is Korean. Uh, he came to the U.S. about, you know, when he was a teenager. And so I didn't, maybe because I was just young, I didn't realize it was a North Korea. Like, the villain's basically from North Korea. And so I was just like, oh, like, they're just Asian. <laughs> so it was interesting. He was really roasting the language choices and the signs in Korean. He's like, that's, like, made by, like, a kindergartner. Eventually, like, you know, you re- he realized, like, okay, this is definitely just a campy you know, fun action movie. But he also, like you, really likes, like, the Daniel uh, Craig Bonds. You know, like, the more serious, like, really action-heavy, but, you know, gets more grounded. Yeah. Overall, I think it was a good time, fun time for everyone in the household watching that movie. You spread the joy. I'm glad you spread the joy. He's trying to convince me to watch the latest one that's out. No Time to Die? Oh, no. I'm still like, we need to watch Venom. We still need to watch Halloween Kills when it comes out. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Need is a strong word for watching Venom, but Venom is very fun for what it is. I did see that because I I was already in the theater to see Skyfall a couple (laughs) weeks ago. So I did a Skyfall Venom double feature, which I forgot to talk about Venom. Venom is... uh, it's it's doubles down on the the fun stuff from the first movie and it cuts out a lot of the boring stuff it's like a tight 90 minutes uh it's extremely stupid and i think it leans a little too far into that stupidness uh at times because i loved all the dumb the dumb stuff in the back and forth between venom and eddie in the first one that was the only stuff i thought was good and they do a lot of that here and they make woody harrelson really silly but it also still kind of takes itself a little seriously in some areas it's not a perfect mesh, but I think it being so short was <laughs> the best thing about it is that I was in and out in 90 minutes and it was 
not long enough to be offensive in any way. I give it like three stars. You give it three stars? Yeah, it's a total like it's good garbage, I guess, is the best way I can say it. Like it yeah. and it and it leaned into being garbage this time, which I think worked to its benefit. Yeah, and I I think that's what we need right now. <laughs> You know, it's just like, I just want a fun, knows it doesn't take itself seriously movie, you know, but it's, you know, just like the first Venom, I was, I was going in as a hater into that movie, but honestly, like, I started laughing and the whole theater was laughing. And so that's why I'm, I'm excited kind of just to watch the second one. Yeah, I was the same with the first movie. I went into it like dreading it almost. Because I'd heard it was bad and all the stuff I'd, I'd like little clips I'd seen on Twitter or whatever were really bad. But the interaction between Eddie and Venom is is delightful. And there's more of this and the villain is more enjoyable in this one because Riz Ahmed was in another movie taking, being taken too seriously. And I don't think it helped the first movie. This movie's better in that regard. Mm-hmm. It, it's more of the stuff you like from the first Venom, even though it like kind of leans into it a bit too much. Nice. That's good to hear. Yeah. It, it, it's a, it, it would be a fun... A fun theater experience, I would say. I was in a, it was like late afternoon, so there was nobody there when I went on a weekday. But I think if you're in a relatively packed theater, it would be fun. And apparently people wanted to see it because it was by far the biggest opening weekend of the pandemic. And it it outgrossed the opening weekend of the first Venom movie, just straight up, which was pretty impressive. It outgrossed Bond by 20 million. Yeah, it gross Bond wow. by like 35 million. Yeah. Which Bond actually, if we, <laughs> I don't want to turn into box office talk too much. But I think compared to how Spectre opened with like 70 million, I think, and it still being in a pandemic and not everybody liking Spectre, I think like the 55 that No Time to Die opened with was pretty good. Um, especially because these the movies always do well here, but they do really well overseas, especially in the UK. I think this movie's going to do really well when all said and done. So good for it. I didn't talk about it too much. I'm going to talk about it on the next episode, which is going to be uh, pretty Bond-centric, I think, is the current plan. And I'm gonna have a, we're going to have a guest on for that one. Uh, so I'll talk about No Time to Die in more detail then. But I liked it a lot, and um, I think it's doing pretty well. So that's good. Yeah. Uh, before we get to the main topic, which is the reason why Elena is here, I want to talk about something that I've actually been reading. So I don't read a whole lot. So to get me to read, it's got to be something pretty pretty darn interesting or something that's right up my alley. Dave Grohl, lead singer of Foo Fighters, drummer for Nirvana, but in lots of bands that you love. He released a book last Tuesday called Dave Grohl, the Storyteller, a story about like music and life or something like that. It has been really fascinating. Um, I Originally, I just got it through Audible because Audible, for some reason, added in another tier for you to, you know, listen to audiobooks at. So even though I had used a free month or whatever trial, uh, they gave me another free month trial. So I got two credits um, to use for the month, which I now keep forever. So I got that book through there because it's narrated by Grohl. So I wanted to get that because I like having that experience. But then I was at a bookstore with my friend later that day and it was there. And I was like, do I get it? And the answer was, of course I get it. It's Dave Grohl. It's your favorite band. Uh, so I got it and it's been a really interesting read so far. It's, it's the first time that I've heard him talk about his dad like, he always talks about his mom, but I've always been, like, really interested to know what happened with his dad. And we get some of that in here. We get, I think only a chapter is devoted kind of to mentioning his dad. He comes up a little bit, like, more, but it's just referring to what was in that chapter. So far, I'm 
about four hours, four or five hours into listening to it. So I still have another five and a half or so. Um, this is the first time that I've heard him talk about his dad and sort of seeing his reaction to him deciding to go into the industry and what that sort of meant for their relationship. So it's been really interesting to hear about that. On top of the stories that I've already heard, there's been three stories that I've heard before. Um, but that's just because I know Grohl and I know not a whole lot about his life, but I know enough to be like, I know where this story's going. I know where that story's going. I know how all this ties up. But it's been really interesting to read, and I'm really excited to see where it goes. Right now, they just finished the Nevermind tour, which was the first, like, big tour after Nirvana. Well, it was during when Nirvana had their big blow-up because of Nevermind and Smells Like Teen Spirit and sort of seeing what happens with that. And so right now, you know, they're back home and they're sort of recouping from SNL. They just played at SNL. Um, not all of it is told in order. Some of it is told out of order. Um, I think the first two or three chapters were out of order, but then after that, it's become pretty linear with what's been happening. So, and he said in interviews that he had written about 300 pages and then not even mention Kurt. Um, wow. And then he started writing about Kurt and sort of that experience. And he was like, I don't even remember if I wrote about Foo Fighters yet by the time that he had reached 300 pages. It's been interesting. I'm excited to see what the rest of the stories are going to hold because so far they've been really interesting. Talking about like van life almost getting killed, what happens in Europe, the regulations over there, where they would hide weed. That was something that I found really interesting was the places that they would hide weed before they crossed borders so that they wouldn't get confiscated and arrested. He's lived a really interesting life, and so it's been great. Yeah, I know, like, I, I knew of Foo Fighters, and I, I enjoyed some of their stuff, but I didn't get into them really until this year, and I don't, I still don't know a ton about him personally. I know, like, some basics, like, I know where, I know where he stands up politics and stuff like that, but I don't really know him that well otherwise, other than his music career, so I I think if, the, if I get it on sale at some point, I would be interested to read that, because I just don't know him that well. And I, I think I like him from what I've seen, but I just would be interested to know more because I really don't know that much. I think this is a great combo of audiobook and physical book because the physical book is 20 bucks. You go to Target, it's 20 bucks to get it. So I feel like that's a very fair price. It's a hardcover. I think it's a good price for the amount. I'm, we talk about amount of content and stuff, but like the interesting stories and stuff that are there. I think it's well worth that. And like if you do what I did, which was an audible combo and then get the book, it's great. It's a great experience because in the book, there's also photos from those years and stuff. So it's really cool. I like it. So if the book released on the Nintendo Switch, would it be worth $60? Oh, my God. <laughs> if they had like a little Dave Grohl sprite just in the corner, just chilling, going through like a set of animations, maybe. Like a little um, side-scroller game where he's yeah. running through every phase of his life. A little little tie-in game like that. That would be fun. Yeah. I, I think it's a great read. If you get it like at Black Friday, psh, great. It's a great book so far. I definitely recommend it. And before we go on to like the actual main topic, Foo Fighters coming to Phoenix in February. Hopefully I go. I'm really trying to go. Uh, but they're going to be here with Tame Paula and a couple other people. But uh, I want to go to that concert. It, it's... It's been the year of foo for me. We had Medicine at Midnight. We had Medicine at Midnight. We had DGs. They're back doing their concerts. 
uh, and how Dave Grohl's book. So I'm really excited. And I saw the uh, concert from Coachella. No, not Coachella. What's the other one? Uh, Lollapalooza. Lollapalooza. I saw the Lollapalooza concert that was on Hulu. So I watched that. So it's been a good year to be a Foo Fighters fan. I'm really excited. I think that, this is the 26th anniversary. Last year was 25. So I'm sure some of those things were going to come out. Definitely the album was supposed to come out last year. But 26 years, man. It's crazy. It, it was really interesting to hear them say, never mind, ne- never mind the the Nirvana album, as if you don't know what it is. For some of you, you don't know what it is, but I mean, if you say never mind, assume it's Nirvana. But that album turned 30 in September. Smells Like Teen wow. Spirit is 30 years old on like September 24th or something like that. I think of Nirvana as like mid 90s in my head. It is mid 90s. It's like 94. Well, well, if it's 30, it was it was 91, and then Kurt ended up passing a couple years later. I just in my head I think of it as later than it is, but it's like more early 90s than anything. And it's really interesting the book because they talk about like, oh, these were our concerts before Smells Like Teen Spirit came out. Right when Smells Like Teen Spirit came out, everything changed. It really was just like one song blew us up and it's like really interesting to see like all right here was the beginning of the tour before the song and the album came out you know like we were playing these kinds of venues here's what it was after the song came out and after nevermind came out and these were the venues these were the crowds that we were attracting it all changed and sort of seeing like they're changing opinions about quote-unquote going mainstream and what that meant because they say in the book that Kurt had said to like producers and stuff that he wanted to be the biggest band in the world. And it happened. And you see the repercussions of that. So it's really interesting. Oh, it also helps that like uh, they mentioned like other things from media that I've seen. So I, I had seen Sonic Highway. So I knew some of the people that he talked about, like his cousin and all this other stuff that introduced him to rock. They talk about Sound City, which is where they recorded Nevermind. And I had seen the documentary Sound City, which was made by Grohl, and about that studio as a whole. So the, so there's a lot of surrounding media that I knew that sort of like, I can be like, oh, I understand that. I know where that is. I know where that's from. I know this story. And so that's really cool for me. Like, it's just really enjoyable to go through it. No, it's, it was kind of the same for me. Like, I've, I've uh, read a lot of wrestler autobiographies and stuff over the years just because that was... That's the stuff that fascinated me, and I also watched a ton of wrestling documentaries growing up, so there was a lot of crossover there, and then when I went to read the books, I'm like, I know most of this already, and it was kind of difficult for me to view them through that lens of, like, I know a lot of this already, um, but it sounds like you, you, you did some of the same, but it just, I feel like his voice shines through enough that it makes it enjoyable, even if you do know all the stuff already. Yeah, it's not like I know, like, everything, but, like, there are some stories, like, when he talks about breaking his leg, I remember that, like, vividly. There are stories, like, when he talks about his cousin, like, I remember that because that was something that was, like, not, like, my first introduction to Foo Fighters, but that was, like, the first time that I, dove, like, dove deep was when that documentary had come out. I remember Sound City because I, like, just watched it, so that's definitely, like, helped me out a lot. Like, they mentioned people, like, you know, original band members that Dave had played with in other bands. And I'm like, I know the name, but I don't know the whole story. So that's really interesting to be like, I know this person, but I don't know who they are. And I don't know the surrounding story. So that's been cool to be like, oh, okay, now I'm seeing where all of this is coming from and the relationships that they had. They just got to a part where they mention about visiting a place in Los Angeles that's kind of, that at the time was really, like, 
I don't want to say like spooky, but something that just happened there. I assume it's the early 90s around the riot time. Is that what you're trying to say? Um, I don't, let me see. It's definitely like early 90s is when it is, but let me see when this specifically happened. Cause this was earlier. This happened, yeah. So so the thing that happened was about 20 years earlier. Oh, okay. Uh, hold on, wait, let me see. This happened, yeah, about, yeah, yeah. All right, so this happened about 20 years earlier, but it was still like one of those things that was like taboo. And it's that thing that young people do where like they go into old buildings, like haunted buildings and stuff and sort of like hang out and do stupid stuff. So they just introduced this element where they're gonna go to a house and go to a pool party. And I'm really interested to see where that goes. So who knows, maybe by the next time we do this podcast, I will have finished the book. I'm hoping so, cause it's, it's keeping my attention, which not a whole lot of books do, but I feel like I just have a bias cause you know, it's Grohl and Foo Fighters and their whole life. But I wanted to mention that before. Yeah, I wanted to mention that before we get to the main topic and spend the next hour talking about Bachelor in Paradise. I guess one last thing I wanted to ask about the book as a, as a journalist as I am, you know, uh, how much have you read of the, like, actually physically read of the book? Um, so I do, like, when I'm, like, going to class, I'll listen to it. But when I'm in my room, I'll listen to it and then read it. So it's been, like, 50-50, I would say. I was wondering just how his words come through on the page, whether you feel like it's ghostwritten or whether you actually feel his voice come through. No, it's definitely him. It's not ghostwritten at all. Because I don't know if you know this. Yeah, I don't know if you know this, but last year he started a, an Instagram page called Dave's True Stories, which was essentially him writing about a page each day during the pandemic, like writing the story each day. And then after a while, he was like, man, this is a lot of work. So he just took whatever stories he had left that he was writing, like writing or had already written and stuff, and then he put it into the book. So that's how the book came to And I mean, like, Dave Grohl has, like, he's always been a writer. So I feel like that's one of those things where I, like, I know when it's him writing something. This isn't ghostwritten. It's been, like, I mean, every book needs an editor. So there are things that have been edited. And he talks about that in interviews a lot. But a lot of this stuff, because of the other work that I've seen, I'm like, no, this is definitely Dave writing this. Uh, maybe it's just, like, because I, I, I've listened to Dave talk and I've listened and, like, read his writings before. So I know that it's him writing. And I feel like especially when it comes to Nirvana and Kurt, that's something that, A, he probably wasn't even going to write about, but when he does, he's very selective about what he's writing about, like what he's choosing to talk about. So I think it's, I think it's good. I like it. Good. I'm glad you're enjoying things. There's been a lot of stuff you enjoyed this week. It has been a lot of stuff that I've enjoyed this week. Now, have I enjoyed myself this week? Probably not, but... That's for another time. Okay, Metroid Dread has got me through a couple rough days, so I I'm in the same boat as you. But you know what got us through a rough month? Bachelor in Paradise, baby. Here we go. We're here. We're at the main topic. All right. I think before we go any further, Elena, you haven't talked in a while. I want to hear your Bachelor story. How did you become a Bachelor fan? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think I was a Bachelor fan since the beginning of the franchise because when did it my start mom just oh god probably like 2002 okay i'll look it up yeah it was early but for some reason my mom let me and my sibling just watch the series with her whenever it was on and so i feel like i was glued to the couch every monday or tuesday night whatever 
I was watching and processing this, but you know, like you grow up, you like don't really, you know, watch TV with your parents anymore. And so I think I got back into the franchise actually around the time I started dating um, my husband and I made him watch it with me. I gave, I was like, okay, like there's this great show, you know, like it's, it's the bachelor. I love reality TV. I think I've always grown up watching reality TV in general, but like for some reason, the bachelor franchise has always just been my number one. Mm. And so we started watching it together and ever like around, I think 2014, 2015. And then, yeah, I've just been like obsessed ever since, like listening to bachelor podcasts following every of the all the contestants on instagram and then like unfollowing them when they don't don't come back on the franchise and watching iterations like bachelor in paradise i feel like bachelor in paradise though is the show to watch out of all of them i mean like you know you get the formula from the bachelor and bachelorette and you get all the bios and the backstories and their journey to like try to be with either the bachelor or the bachelorette but paradise is where just everyone just comes in, has fun. It's less, it's not as serious. And so I think, I think that's the appealing part of Bachelor in Paradise and what I feel like it makes the show fun. Yeah. So I looked it up. Uh, Bachelor did start in 2002. You were right. Uh, it's had 25 seasons. Bachelorette started in 03. It's had 17 seasons. And I think Bachelor in Paradise, we just had season seven. Yes. That's a lot of Bachelor and you've yeah. watched it all apparently. I think it's somewhere in my head, but I've recent years I've even like gone back and watched like older seasons, and man, it's part of my life just watching this reality TV show. Uh, uh, this this sounds like me with wrestling. I just can't quit it. And that's why I felt like I don't know why, but I've heard like the comparisons of like reality TV, like Bachelor and Bachelorette, to like wrestling, and mm. you know, you just get invested in like the storylines of the people. Like I'm, like I'm still, I still remember like obscure people that showed up in previous bachelor seasons and then like if they show up on paradise i'm like oh my god that's the guy that like he shouted waboom and was like you know he was he he called himself waboom and that was his job title like that's the guy you know and so it's kind of like that where you're just like you know you start to have a parasocial relationship with these people and you're just rooting for them but it's like a dating show like the goal is like to still like you know find love and i that's why I'm happy that we're talking about this finale because it's rare that the finale, like all the people that lasted to the end, you know, actually get engaged. And so that was really surprising. So I guess as someone who didn't know the show before the season and uh, Manny knew a little more than I did, but do they like how, how did these seasons usually end at least on Bachelor in Paradise? Is it like you get one big couple that gets engaged and then you get a couple that stay together? just like dating for a while i yeah it's usually like that like like only one major couple or two get engaged and then usually they have they used to have an after the bachelor where bachelor in paradise where they'll bring everyone back and they kind of decompress and they do interviews one-on-one interviews with all the people and the couples and so you you see whether or not they're still together and usually like an engaged couple they actually don't get engaged afterwards you know and just you you see all the drama but this time it was just so interesting how like okay everyone who really just decided to commit to each other all three of them they're like they got engaged and we're still happily engaged which is you know 
It's very different. <laughs> so I'm actually I'm still on the Wikipedia for Bachelor in Paradise, and they have they have each couple that was uh, there at the end uh, of each season. And they have little headings. Uh, one is whether there was a proposal, and the next one is if they're still together. So it's actually very helpful for them to have that. You can get a quick <laughs> little breakdown of if people are still together. And we've got a lot of people. I know the season just ended, but we got a lot of people still together right now. Yeah, there's a lot of people that are still together. People that we saw break up on TV, but like you go and see their Instagrams, like they're back together. And I think that's interesting, like how back in the day before like social media you just rely solely on the tv show and you know abc to like tell you the entire story and you kind of get glimpses of pieces like from like magazines like tmz whatever like oh yeah this bachelor person yeah checking out the grocery store like every week like every week or two whenever we went it was like people magazine was right there and they were letting us know how how everybody from the bachelor was doing and the tabloids are obviously doing tabloid things with it but, like, that was how I heard about The Bachelor with just looking at People magazine, like, when I was checking out the store as a kid. That was all I ever knew. And now I feel like the contestants have more power of, like, what they want to portray, you know, for their platforms and, like, you know, show, get a, give us a glimpse of, like, their stories and, like, you know. So I think it, that's different from here. And then you feel more connect. I feel more connected to the contestants than what I was watching back like you know earlier days and it's it's really fun to just like you know like demi for instance like i've seen demi like three times on the show like at least you know but like every time like i still like am trying to catch up like okay what is she doing now or like how different is she gonna be on this time in paradise versus the last time it was interesting what you said a minute ago about how you think people have like more freedom now in the social media age in terms of their image because i was thinking it might even be kind of the opposite because they've got so many eyes on them at any one time they've got you know however many thousands hundreds of thousands maybe even millions of followers that they've got on their social media and if all those people know that they're together with someone it sort it sort of feels like they have to keep that image up for a long time and they have to stay consistent with how they're presenting themselves so i feel like it might it might feel it feels like it might be more of a curse than a blessing in some cases yeah i think they definitely need to be careful and then as well as be on the producer's side you know like if they like are on the side of the producers even post show like they'll you know find their way like you know like i don't know if you know this but joe um natasha and becca they're all part of like official bachelor nation like podcasts and so they're getting paid by them so even before they went on the show so it's like it's like things like that and you could tell by like how their stories unfolded you know as possible got portrayed in a good light you know, so I feel like people like Piper and Brendan, on the other hand, you know, they thought they probably went in like, oh, we can get away with this or, you know, we can hide our relationship from producers or whatever. Or they tell them, but then they weren't the golden couple to make it. So it's just been it, it's interesting. It's an interesting as a viewer and being invested in this franchise to see, okay, like I'm rooting for these contestants, but you're kind of semi not rooting for producer manipulation, but also, you know, you, you advocate for people who use their platform, you know, for good. Yeah. And I'm viewing all this as like an outsider, obviously this is my first and maybe only season. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what, what the future holds. Bachelorette season uh, season premieres next week. Uh, I might. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, not not gonna do Bachelorette. 
I, I can't do Bachelor and Bachelorette. They're so boring. Not even night one. Night one is so great. Night one is so great because you, you just go in, you just see, like, all the people, like, they do their pitch, like, I am this person, or this is my shtick, or, like, you know, it's it's the funniest, I think it's the best episode to watch because i don't know i just like all the introductions and like what drama already happens in night one and i think michelle is going to be a really good bachelorette because she's she's actually down to earth when she was on as a contestant you i'm advocating for you both to watch <laughs> the episode one i might try episode one i i don't feel confident about my chances of sticking with bachelorette or bachelor when it comes on Bachelor in Paradise, I had fun with. I might, I, I think I'll probably watch the next season of that if we're all still, if we're all still into it, which I know you'll at least be able to. So there's that. Listen, I said I wasn't going to watch Bachelor in Paradise because my friend who I watched the last season with, like, I'd wake up at like 6 a.m. so I could watch it with him on the East Coast. I'd wake up, we'd watch it together. He messaged me, he said, so we're going to watch Bachelor in Paradise? And I said, I can't do this again. It's like that Mr. Incredible meme where he's like, I'm too weak. <laughs> I, it, that was me. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and then Elena was like, yeah, but you can watch Bachelor in Paradise with Nick. And I'm like, oh, dang it. And then Nick was like, so we're going to watch Bachelor in Paradise? And I was like, oh, fine, I'll watch Bachelor in Paradise. No, don't twist this. Don't act like I was enthusiastic about this from the start. I had to be coaxed into watching this show. I did not want to watch this show, if you recall. That is true. Neither of us wanted to watch it, clearly. <laughs> No, I, no. Yeah. I was on Elena's side. I was on Elena's side by saying that this would be the most entertaining version of Bachelor to watch. Not that I was gonna watch it. Okay, okay. But is it is indeed entertaining because it's definitely more lighthearted. Everyone's job titles are just random things that they said like five minutes ago. There's cuts to animals on the beach that are just the chilling bird on the cuts beach. were my favorite. Best B-roll ever. <laughs> All the B-roll, all the funny music, when they're trying to, like, tell us there's a huge storm, but then the next day they go back on the beach. <laughs> it's, like, things like and this. And they act this as if why, it's, like, like, coming back home after, like, seven years. Like, man, we're back on the beach. <laughs> and then when we got back on the beach, we got all the drama with Ivan, who was your, who was your like, boy. He was your boy, Elena, throughout the entire I, show. I know. And then he did you dirty. I know. He did us all dirty and went behind our backs. But yeah. you know what? Honestly, I kind of, I like how people take risks like him. So the whole thing was that he found a phone that was probably a producer's and found out another contestant that was supposed to be brought onto the beach. And he, in the middle of the night, in the hotel room, he went to her hotel room and they did something and they brought that up on national tv and had a whole intervention like you can't do that that's not the rules of paradise and you know what that just makes great tv you know that was like one of the last bits of drama that i was like oh this is kind of interesting and funny that was my but, favorite thing was when they tried to suddenly become serious and they were and they had wells there or someone else who was like you broke the we have we have very <laughs> yeah. few rules in paradise and you broke one of the sacred rules of paradise and you know what's funny like i listened to the podcast he was on and he was like Honestly, it was not even a big deal, and I don't know why they made it a huge storyline, and I can't believe I had to say things like that. But you know what? It's the show. It's the show. Like, you're you're expecting, like, this drama that, you know, is, isn't a big deal in real life, but it's a big deal in The Bachelor. They have their own very specific rules there, and if 
if you break them, which they want you to, I think, at least a couple people to, so they can get some drama out of it. But like, if you break them, then you get a lot of drama. That's just what they want. They they want drama. They've got a certain a certain episode quota to fill, and Lord knows some of those episodes were too long this season. But they have a lot of time to fill. Oh my gosh. And they had to mine for as much drama as they could, so they had to take this extremely minor stuff and just blow it up as much as they could. I think I said this a couple episodes ago, but I appreciate how, like, transparent the show is and how garbage it is like it feels like more than other reality tv i've seen everybody making the show is sort of in on i don't know if i want to say it's a joke that they're in on but they understand the kind of show they're making and i feel like that shines through in the edit the editing especially like it feels like they know that especially bachelor in paradise is almost a comedy and i appreciate that about it it feels like they're actually having fun with it which the vibes i've gotten from bachelor and bachelorette don't feel nearly as fun as bachelor in paradise is supposed to be I agree that The Bachelor and Bachelorette aren't as fun, but I'd say night one is fun. You know, it's under the category of fun. You got me to try night one, okay? (laughs) Good. But we did, like you were talking earlier about, like, after, you know, Bachelor in Paradise, we didn't get the show that I wanted, which was the one hour, like, special of just like, hey, where's everyone now? That's like last season. That's how we found out that whatever her name was, Monique, Monica whatever her name was, was, like, mad with Clay. Oh, man, what was her? Nicole. Nicole. Oh, Nicole. Nicole. The whole Nicole and Clay drama that happened. And the fact that, like, we never actually got to see the full interview with Nicole and Clay. Like, I'm interested to see what happened there. Because there was one person, because Clay, the entire season was like, oh, you know, I'm not over my ex, my ex this, my ex that. You know, we compared that to Joe, who was just very clearly like, nah, I, I want nothing to do with my ex. Let's get down to business. And then him and Serena ended up being the power couple of the season. I mean, like, come on, folks. There's one, there was one line from last season with Clay, and I can't remember what, what it was exactly, but Clay was essentially saying to his ex, he's like, I want you to come to the gym with me. It was something like, I want to, like, I want you to come... I want you to come to the gym with me. She's like, I don't want to go with you to the gym for six hours because he would spend like six hours at the gym or something ridiculous like that. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something like, no, you spend too much time at the gym and I want to spend time with you outside of that, like as an actual couple, not just as your side piece. It's things like that where I'm just, I wish there was a, an after show or, you know, they tried to like summarize, okay, this is where this couple is, this is where this, but it possibly was due to like you know covid quarantine all that stuff but and them trying to rush and film the bachelorette right away because it feels like this entire year i've just been getting back to back like okay we started bachelor then we got bachelorette right away and then we got bachelor in paradise and it was just only a week break and now we're only getting another bachelorette so i think that was one of the reasons why we just didn't have that nice bow on the top of like okay like let's hear from the cast but yeah i yeah. i understand Betty. we were all talking in in the discord about that that finale and it did not it was three hours and it just totally did not need to be like once it was down to like the three was it three couples at the end they were like the last 90 minutes of the episode and i'm not talking 90 minutes on tv i'm talking on hulu there were 90 minutes of actual content to get through 
and it was just these three couples and they were just talking they were going to their boom boom room or whatever the last uh the last area was that they went to together <laughs> fantasy suites fa- yeah that one fantasy, fantasy suite. suite and it like all we had left was to get to the proposals and it took them 90 minutes to do it and they did not have much to go through and it was it dragged so much i enjoyed the the show so much up until that point but the last couple episodes the 3 hour ones just just sucked my soul out they took so long so much suffering that we went through for those last two episodes <laughs> in specific. I wasn't like a huge fan of like the ones before that. Pretty much after Brendan and Piper left the show, I lost interest in so much of what was happening. What was the drama? Like what was the rest of the drama for that season? They didn't really have any. They really didn't. All the they little drama hap- happened between hours. like the characters that we didn't care about. Or I say characters. They're people, characters technically. People. <laughs> no, I call them players, honestly. Character. <laughs> yeah. It's bad. <laughs> that was the stuff that actually had the drama, but I didn't care. That was the problem. Yeah, the last, like, the last two things that I remember being, like, the most interest, like, dramatic stuff, I guess, was that episode that Brendan left. His boy came in. Chris Chan, I want to say is his name. No, no, no. That was someone else. Dr. Joe. It was Dr. Joe. Dr. Joe. Dr. Joe. Dr. Joe came in and he asked Natasha out on a date. And for those who don't know, who who didn't watch Bachelor in Paradise, understandably, Natasha and Brendan were seeing each other on the show. But Brendan and Piper hooked up before the show and made a plan to come onto Bachelor in Paradise to gain more social media followers. So when Piper came onto the show, their whole plan got revealed essentially to everyone and they tried to kick out another group before them who they thought were doing the same thing. And then they kicked out Brendan and Piper. And they were trying to say, like, no, nah, man, you guys are just crazy. Like, that's not what we're doing, okay? What are the rules of paradise? Like, there are no set rules of paradise and all this other stuff, right? So Natasha was really hurt by that, okay? So Brendan and Piper end up leaving. And then Brendan's boy, his, like, ride or die, the love of his life, Dr. Joe comes in. He asked Natasha out on a date, and he says, like, oh, so, like, you know, what guys were you seeing? Like, any of that kind of stuff. And then she says, like, yeah, you know, like, there was kind of, like, this whole thing on the beach with Brendan. And you just hear this man go, my Brendan? Like, like so sad, so heartbroken. Like, his Brendan would never do that. Brendan, Brendan is the most pure person. He would never do that. And he's just, like, the love for this man that he has is so palpable that I do feel bad for Dr. Joe. But, like, at the same time... My man just played the girl that you're on a date with. Like, you could be a little bit more, like, sincere instead of saying, my Brendan? Like, come on, man. A lot of thoughts. <laughs> so, I think it's interesting because clearly, like, these contestants that are, you know, walking on the beach and, like, hearing what happened from other people, it's like, they did not get the rundown or, like, they didn't get the videotape of what actually happened. And so... They're relying on the bromances and, you know, the friendships that they made, like when they were on the major shows, the Bachelor, Bachelorette, and then everything after when they when they usually hang out. So that's why I don't fault Dr. Joe to just be like my Brendan and stuff, because, you know, he doesn't have the full context of the whole story. And maybe he didn't realize like his friend would say like terrible things like, oh, Natasha doesn't have anyone on the beach except me so why is she being so rude about it you know behind like to the cameras like in his private interviews you know so that's why I give 
him some slack about it but yeah it just comes off like one as a viewer we're just watching it and we're like oh shit he should not have said that <laughs> he should have he should have been way more smooth with his words or you know actually get to know natasha instead of thinking about your boy joe or your boy brendan it's not that like i think dr joe was like in the wrong per se i just feel like he could have like handled that situation better instead of being like my brendan and then just going completely silent and then just knowing that like yeah <laughs> this isn't gonna work out like he probably should have like asked like oh i'm so sorry to hear about that like what was like the outcome of it like you could have just asked more yeah. questions about it instead of being like my brendan like i don't know yeah like come on dr joe yeah i, agree. I feel like he, i feel I like agree. dr joe like should have handled it better. I'm not saying that Dr. Joe's a bad guy or anything like that. I think he's a, from what I've seen, like he seems perfectly fine, perfectly nice. Didn't mean like any harm by anything like that. It was just like one of those things, like you're saying, like, you know, someone like on a personal level that when you're hearing like, oh, they did this and they did that. You're like, wait, what? Yeah, I agree. He should have definitely handled that situation better. And then when he was a contestant on Tasha season like people were advocating like oh like Dr. Joe should be bachelor blah blah but this did not help him at all like <laughs> trying to console or like be on a one-on-one -on -one date with Natasha then all you bring up is your friend like no bad move yeah but speaking of his 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 boy his best friend Brendan I, w I went back through our discord messages because there was one quote from Brendan when he left the show that I had to bring up again and it's one of the greatest things I've ever heard so Brendan just never knew when to shut up. That was his thing. He would just go on and on talking forever, saying nothing with all the millions of words that he would say. And his big goodbye to the whole group, uh, one of the last things he said was, and I quote, I didn't want to intentionally mislead anyone. I just withheld information. And that's one of the greatest <laughs> quotes that I've ever fucking heard in my entire life. That's just Brendan summed up to me perfectly. Yeah, that's definitely what Brendan was. He was definitely that kind of person. There was like, a lot of drama with him and then we found out like they both left the show together then they went radio silent they lost a bunch of followers and then the ending of the season was brendan and piper are laying low and like there was all these questions like "Ooh, are they together are they not together like "Ooh, he unfollowed her Ooh, what does this mean and then we found out like either today or yesterday nah they're still together that like the two of them are still together mm -hmm. they don't deserve happiness they don't deserve bachelor happiness. No. They don't deserve yeah, bachelor don't deserve happiness. Bachelor. <laughs> the bachelor nation gets to decide, like, okay, like, we're rooting for these couples or, like, a couple that actually likes each other but, you know, are kind of, are rude to other people. It's like, okay, get off the screen. <laughs> like, you can have your relationship but, like, don't be the center of it all, you know. I, I remember what I was going to bring up about like how we we kind of touched on it how the finale was a three-hour episode it was just really long it almost made you want to turn off your tv but what fascinated me though was just how genuine the relationships were at the end you know like joe and serena like we kind of we made fun of joe in the beginning like he's an old man like a loser why is he back on the beach you know his ex who he met on the beach before is clearly gonna come back you know, and have, like, whatever, try to connect with him again, or, you know, mess him up in his love journey, but he found Serena, and they're happy together, and then Riley and Marisa, like, you know, like, they were just kind of, like, love at first sight, immediately off the bat, 
you know, grade dates. They were always in the boom boom rooms. They were a freaky couple, but you know, they they were just, you know, they grew together and it's kind of crazy to see that in such the small amount of time they're on this beach. I think they're only on the beach for like two weeks, if I'm correct. It's either two weeks or three weeks, but I think it's like three weeks to a month is how long if they're on there. I think though they shortened this. Was that thing like they had the rose ceremony they every week, but that was every several episodes because they were only there for a few weeks? Uh, yeah, I don't there think was, it was like a week, time man. where it was we... definitely a couple days. <laughs> but like, like yeah. when they say like, "Oh, we're here for a week," what they really mean is we've been here for two days, and now here's the next like section of it. But no, I'm with you. It's it's definitely shrunken down. It's not, you know, thirteen weeks for thirteen episodes. You know, it's not that long. It's only like three, four weeks max is how long they're on that beach. Yeah, I appreciated how unstructured it was just because it felt like everything was a little more free-flowing and fun. But also, they had like no pattern for the, it felt like they had no pattern for the rose ceremonies. It was just like, uh, we'll have one now and then we'll have one like four episodes from now and then we'll have one one episode after that is what it felt like. Like there was no rhyme or reason to it. It just felt like they were playing by ear when they wanted to get rid of people and when they wanted to bring certain people in. I think it used to be way more structured yeah. back in the day, but I think they realized like, okay, like let's let these relationships play out. Let's see all the like stories we get to like observe or, you know, the drama that ensues. And so I think that's why they kind of lean, like leaned away towards just, okay, every episode is a rose ceremony. That's the same thing that's happened to Bachelor and Bachelorette. Not every episode now ends in a rose ceremony, which is annoying for that kind of show where it's like there's only one person giving out the roses but you know they allow the time to like okay let's see this drama unfold you know or like let's wait and is she gonna like give it to the person who's lying behind her back whatever you know things like that yeah that's what that's what concerns me about bachelor and bachelorette is that it's one person making all the well nick is not making all the decisions because we got producers in the rear and stuff like that but it's like one person who's the central focus of the show and if I don't like them, then I feel like I won't like the show. And that's my worry. I think I like the main shows based for the contestants and the characters. Like, imagine, like, seeing Demi as a contestant. You know, like, yeah. when she was on. And trying to get with Colton. Who, yeah, who was very cookie-cutter dry. Like, he eventually came out. Um, there's some problematic things about Colton in other ways. Seeing like a contestant like Debbie, who like clearly free spirit, doesn't care, speaks her mind, whatever, and like incites drama with the other people, you know, it's just, it's kind of fun and fascinating to like, you know, okay, like clearly we know Debbie's not going to make it to the end, but like, you know, you want to see like what she does, like on, on the way to the end. You know? Yeah, yeah. When she left was when I think the show started going downhill for me, and like she was just like more than anyone else felt like she got the show and she got that she was there to stir shit up, and she knew like feeling more than anyone she knew exactly what what type of show she was on, and the energy she brought was fun, and I feel like she was like antagonist antagonistic obviously, but not so far that you actually hate her. I feel like every like I don't want to speak for other fans of the show because I only know you two really. But I feel like everybody, like, it was a love-to-hater kind of thing. It wasn't like they actively didn't like her on the show. Yeah, I agree. Which I appreciate. I feel like she's the best performer, if we want to use that word, out of anybody that was on the show. Yeah. Uh, We talked about, like, characters earlier. 
And so, like, you mentioned a couple of them that I wanted to touch on. Uh, Marissa and Riley, they were just, like, a bundle of joy to hang out with. Uh, I like Riley a lot. Like, he was just, like, I don't want to say, like, a man, but, like, a man. <laughs> you know, like, and, like, like, I don't mean, like, oh, like, like, that's what a man is supposed to be. But, like, he was caring. He cared for Marissa. He was vulnerable with her when times needed to be. He stood up for what he believed in. And, I mean, like, he was just fun to hang out with. Like, I liked Riley. Him and Marissa, they they clearly have a lot of love for each other. You have to love someone a lot to lick uh, whipped cream off their toes. <laughs> oh, my God. That was just... <laughs> that was just <sighs> on a sandy beach. That the, her toes were just touching sand. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, it was it was atrocious. But on the flip side, you also have characters that I hated, like Aaron. Oh my god. Aaron was just a little whiny brat the entire show. And then everyone was trying to defend him, saying, like, oh, you know, like when he was here, he was only with one person. Only for the penultimate episode of him to start kissing Tia, who he had no relationship with before that last night. Like, what? Makes no sense. This man has no moral. Well, I mean, maybe he does have morals, but, like, he just wanted to fight everybody. Like, you know, like, when people talk about, like, chihuahuas, that's what I think of Aaron. Aaron's like a little chihuahua, just barking the entire time at people that don't have anything to do with him. Yeah, but chihuahuas are kind of cute and fun. Aaron is just nothing. He's he's a void of charisma and likability. Listen, man, don't, don't be... Di- listen, listen, don't be talking about Aaron like that, okay? He deserves respect. Come on, Aaron. Come on, man. <laughs> no no yeah i agree (laughs) and neither does thomas like like aaron and thomas were the same character yeah we got less of thomas though feel like aaron like they they kept aaron there to stir up drama but he's like the least interesting person to stir up drama because he just but i don't even feel like like we got more of aaron but like we got more of aaron but even then like we still didn't get a whole lot of him until like the last we had a lot of him in the first couple of episodes with him and Tammy, and then we didn't get a whole lot of him until, like, the end. Not really. Like, he was there, he stirred stuff up a couple times, but, like, that was that was kind of it. Yeah, Aaron was just annoying. Yeah, I feel like the producers liked him yeah. more than anybody watching the show did. Yeah, when he was a contestant on Katie's season, like, he was just known for the same exact thing that we saw, like, stirring up shit saying stupid one-liners like he called like another guy like a cancer that needs to be taken (laughs) and honestly that one's kind of funny like it's like the things he says like he has no chill and that's what i think you know that's why producers like him like to like say like ridiculous things but they really try to push him like i was like oh like he's a good guy like you know he's taking out the trash or whatever but it doesn't work for most people like i i'm not a fan of aaron but i i think i do agree he says some funny things i know i just said that he's like not really a performer he doesn't really have much charisma but that deadly that does lead to funny things because he can say ridiculous stuff with a total straight face and not break and not make it seem ridiculous just because that's how he talks and i think in that sense it works his benefit and it makes him pretty funny unintentionally so i think yeah, I was just going to say that yeah. like when he started like railing against Ivan, like every word that he said was just like kind of just like funny and ridiculous. Oh, like all the names like that he was calling him. It was listen, I hate Aaron cuz he's just annoying 
but the fact that he's just like so proud in himself just makes it so much funnier when like you just hate the guy like you're not you're not that like you're not that guy pal trust me you're not that guy really like he's not that guy he's extremely not that guy i i deserve respect (laughs) i deserve respect (laughs) does he though does he really he oh, said man. that in. I Not feel like really. every commercial for like the first like three episodes was him just saying like I deserve respect. Yeah, I will say though the resolution of Aaron, uh, w- w- with his buddy James. James, that's his name, right? Yeah, yeah throw in the box. The, the resolution of Aaron and James, just Bachelor in Paradise being for the boys, them abandoning their. Uh, I mean, and to be fair, the relationships they were still pursuing were futile and they had no chance. But it was funny that they both just decided to be bros and they abandoned it. And then James gave Aaron a piggyback ride right on out of paradise. That was incredible. Another pitch for Bachelorette. The bromances are the best. And that's why, like, it's hilarious. Like, you know, you I saw Brendan and Dr. Joe, like, have their bromance. Like, Aaron and James kind of have a, like, their bromance wasn't, like, a main focus. But, like, you see the camera, like, zoom in on, like, two guys like leaning on each other and then you'll see them growing out and stuff and i think that's the appeal at least for bachelorette you know seeing those little friendships blossom (laughs) yeah bachelorette like that's interesting though because all those guys at the the end of the day they're still working against each other ultimately though right yeah there's i think it starts out as like oh we hate each other and then as it dwindles down and they like realize like oh shoot like we're stuck in this house this hotel whatever like just with each other like we have to like you know become friends that's when they start to like okay like we like like they form their little you know cliques or you know broships and you know they start to be less like fighty against each other okay yeah especially and i assume in some cases they'll realize that they don't really have a shot but they're still just kind of there so they'll have some fun with it Mm -hmm. just to make their time a little worthwhile you're not selling me on the show, but it's not as bad as I thought it might be. It intrigues you. I'll watch that first episode for you, and we'll go from there. My work here is done. Oh, and I got another one. They got another one. I guess the record reflects <laughs> now that I do have time to watch TV in very certain instances. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my men just spent three hours watching people just talk to each other real slow. Like, uh, you know, I really feel like... um. Like, uh, like I'm falling in love with you and, uh, I just don't want to, you know, I don't want to let that, you know, just like disappear once we're off the beach. You know, I'm 40, you're 25. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We did have a couple age gaps. We had a 35, 23 and a 40, 25 at the end, didn't we? Yep. And they're still together. Mario and Serena are still together too. That one surprised me because like. They gave them some focus throughout the course of the show, but I feel like of those three couples at the end, they had by far the least focus on them, and they felt like they felt like the least sure thing of those couples for sure. And I was actually kind of surprised we got a proposal. I thought we'd get a hey, they're they're gonna they're gonna be still together after the show. Surprised we actually got a proposal there. So Nick, I'm about to make your surprise even bigger. Kenny wanted to do the do wanted to do the uh, wedding right there. <laughs> of course he did. He was talking to producers. And he was trying to get the families to come out to do the wedding right there on the beach. Oh, God. Our man, Kenny. 
Yeah. He was there for the right reasons. At, at first, you thought his reasons were just that he was there to put to pull his dick out because his dick was out for a lot of the early episodes. <laughs> that black bar. That black bar was the funniest part of the show. Yeah, and that bit, it's like funny. I mean, the black like bar didn't make bit. sense because they had to have their mics lived up somehow. Yeah. Or they, where are they going to hold the pack for the mics? Yeah, but, you know, America, you know, they don't know the mechanics of microphones. Are you suggesting this show might not be on the up and up, Manny? Just a little bit. Hmm. Awkward silence. Yeah, well, what a silence, yeah. <laughs> I might leave that in because it was so awkward. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was just one of those silences. Um, is there anything else that we wanted to address? Yeah, Nick, you said that you're looking back at some stuff. I'm looking back through the, our reality TV channel that we made in the Discord because uh, we got kicked out of other channels in our Discord for talking too much about Bachelor. I'm looking back through this to see if there's any other discussion points that I wanted to bring up. Just a lot of, like, just a lot of funny lines that, if you heard them out of context, are pretty hilarious. Like, the show is very funny, and I think some of that's intentional, some of that's unintentional. And I think the editors, like I said earlier, th those are the people who bring it all together, and they... They're very aware of the show that they're making. They're very aware that they're making garbage TV, but they make it good garbage TV, and that's the important thing. I think also the times that we watched it together just made the show way better. I mean, like, I feel like that's just every TV show, but like every time that we watched something together, it was fantastic. Yeah, I was gonna. Uh, I was. I meant to bring this up earlier with Diane the other day, but I think the three of us we do watch alongs all the time, or at least we used to when our schedules weren't as crazy as they are now. Um, but Die Another Day would be a perfect watch-along for the three of us to do sometime. That that would be the best way to get May to watch a Bond movie, is for him to watch Die Another Day with us, I think. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, I mean, I've, se I've seen worse movies with other people because we did it as a watch-along. I told you about the time that I watched Cars 2 willingly, right? No, I don't think you did. Oh, man, we watched Cars 2. It was the day Disney Plus came out. Maybe not the day, but it was like, it was like within that week and we we're like oh let's watch something and we we're like tossing between like certain movies and all this other stuff and then we said let's watch cars 2 but let's take a drink I, I had like a mountain dew or something like that let's take a drink every time we see an on-screen death that first like five minutes of the movie when they're at the oil rig and it blows up we would have been done and we tried we really tried our best to make that movie entertaining about an hour in we're like this is miserable and there was still so much more of the movie left i think it was by the time that they got to tokyo right to do that first race we were done with the movie we were over it we're like this is too much we can't do this i haven't so even seen cars too <laughs> i watched cars 2 once by it. myself i actually i was like what, 13 14 and I didn't mind it too much when I saw it, but I don't, I'm quite sure I would not like it now. Cars 2, or sorry, Cars 3, I watched like earlier this year. And uh, I'm going to say it. I know I retired it in the Discord, but I'm going to use it here. Cars 3 is pretty mid, I'm just saying. It's the most like okay Pixar movie I think that exists. It's the most 6 out of 10 movie that I've ever seen. It's it's fine, yeah, but I... but my god, I felt nothing watching that movie. <laughs> I agree. I watched that during work. I watched that during work on like an iPad on the side. I was like, okay, you know, just listening to it like a podcast. It's very, it's very mid. 
I love that we I love that we veered off into talking about the Cars movies now. But I remember uh, when Cars Three was coming out, the trailers were so weird. Like the trailers were all about him being broken down and old. Like the the first teaser was literally just him getting in that big crash, and that was all it was. And I'm like, what the hell is this movie supposed to be? It was the it was bizarre. And then it it came out, and it was just kind of a conventional a conventional Pixar movie that has a little bit to talk about aging, and that was it. It wasn't it wasn't really entertaining in any way. I guess that I guess it wasn't, given by the way y'all are talking about it. Mid. I'm gonna say the word again. It was mid. <laughs> mid. Yep, we retired the jokes. Um, I did not. I was saying them all last night in a group chat with some friends. But uh, I can't imagine a single person on this earth like loves Cars Three. I don't. I mean, my friend, my friend, my friend actually really likes Cars Three. I don't know. I don't know like if he loves it or anything, but I know that he's tried to get me get me to watch it a couple times, and I never have. You've got you've got some interesting friends. <laughs> I have a wide range of friends. It's so funny. It's so funny because the other day they were talking about some group of. Oh, they were talking about Hereditary, and I was like, Hereditary was mid. And then they were talking about Squid Game. And I said, oh, yeah, Squid Game was been. And they're like, Jesus Christ, do you like anything? You're so pretentious. I'm like, I'm the least, like, like you were saying, I'm the least pretentious person I know in my friend group. Like, I, like, in this friend group, I just like a lot of things. There's a few people in our Discord who are, like, less pretentious than, or, yeah, less pretentious than you. Oh, no, 100%. People that yes. enjoy everything, and I'm so happy for them. And I wish I could. I wish I could just enjoy everything. You did enjoy Bachelor in Paradise, though. I did. This was the most I've ever heard you like chuckle, like during or like even laugh, like during a watch along of something, you know. And so I, I could tell you actually enjoyed it. I think you said you'd never heard me laugh before that, and I'm like, surely you must. Surely you must have. We watched High School Musical two and Shrek two together. Surely I must have laughed. I don't think you laughed during Shrek 2, I don't, yeah, I don't think so either. I feel like I must We have. were just singing. We were just singing and, like, yeah, you know, we were just having a good time. High School Musical 2, I, I remember I wasn't, I wasn't in the, I was in the voice chat, but I wasn't speaking because I wasn't in the States at the time, but I was just typing, and every couple seconds, I just hear Lana just, like, belly laugh, and I was like, that makes me happy. Like, <laughs> I, even if I'm not there, it's fun to hear people laugh. Our watch-alongs are, are the best. We need to do one soon. Oh, did you did you laugh during SpongeBob? Maybe that probably might have been where we got you to laugh was <laughs> while we were watching the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. Oh, speaking of which, I watched SpongeBob. There you go. That was another thing I watched. I watched the uh, Technique episode, which is also the Ripped Pants episode. Technique. I know Ripped Pants, but what's the Technique episode? <laughs> the bubble one. Where they're tra- where they where they're charging twenty five cents to blow bubbles, and they're doing it right outside of Squidward's house, and Squidward can't do it. So SpongeBob like, all right, all right, Squidward, here's how you got to do it. You gotta go woo and woo, then you gotta stop, do three takes, one, two, three, and you gotta go run and run, and then you gotta stop on your right foot. Don't forget it. And you gotta do this and this and that and this and this and this and that, and then you blow a bubble, and then like he blows a giant bubble that takes over the house. And Squidward's house like starts going up, and then it, and then the bubble pops, and then the house goes down. I vaguely remember this. I remember ripped pants really well. I don't remember. I kind of remember the bubble. When you said bubble, I was thinking of Bubble Boy yeah. or whatever, whatever the bubble. 
Bubble buddy. The dirty bubble. bubble buddy. There we go. The bubble buddy. Oh, bubble buddy. I thought you meant the dirty bubble, which was the. Uh, oh yeah, the Man villain. Ray. That was one of the villains for yeah. for Murray Man and Barnacle Boy. Evil. We're going to turn into a Spongebob podcast, I think, officially. We should go back through all of Spongebob. Listen, <laughs> I I do like those first three seasons of Spongebob. I think those are some of the funniest, like, childhood memories I have growing up. After a while, Spongebob was just, like, really overplayed. And I'm just like, I want nothing to do with this. But looking at it now, having, like, a solid decade without, like, watching Spongebob consistently, it's funny. Yeah. I, I think pretty much after the first movie, when Steven Hillenberg left, was pretty much when the show started declining. And I did I did like some of those episodes afterwards. And I did think the second movie was good, which he came back for. And I actually liked the third one that came out this year. Yeah, I didn't see the second or third one. I've only seen the first one. But I saw, like, the Atlantis Square Pantis episode. I saw the one where they had Johnny Depp be a surfer. <laughs> oh, yeah, Johnny. they brought Johnny Depp to be a surfer. I saw that one, too. It's weird. Nick, you gotta look this up real quickly. Yeah, they have Johnny Depp. He's a tan surfer guy. Yeah, he's really tan. Oh, that okay. I've seen the episode. That was Johnny fucking Depp. Yeah, that's Johnny Depp, man. My God. Remember, for the longest time, this show was huge. I mean, like it's still big, but like it was everywhere in the early two, like the two thousands and even parts of the twenty tens. Yeah, no, it's it's still big. It was pretty much what they launched Paramount Plus with, was the new movie and the new uh, show. I mean, also, like, Avatar is coming back, so I'm very happy about that. Yeah, James Cameron's Avatar, The Way of Water, coming December 2022. Boo. Disgusting. Uh, Two two things. Uh, Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl. Have not played it yet. Uh, Maybe won't play it for a while, but Aang, Toph, and Katara, not Katara, Korra, are in the game. And so there's three Avatar characters. That's very awesome. I'm glad that Avatar is getting representation. I'm saying this as if they were a minority that needed representation. Like, I need to fight for the Avatar rights. <laughs> um, but no, I'm glad that Avatar is getting the love that it deserves. I finally convinced a friend of mine to watch an episode on Sunday. So we're going to watch some Nick? anime and then do... No, 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 no. Another friend... It's not anime, gotta, though, listen, I Manny. I have to pick them wisely. No, 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 no. We're watching Death Note. Not Death Note. Uh, Demon Slayer. So they're making okay. me watch the next episode of Demon Slayer. And then they're going to watch the first episode of Avatar. Um, so I'm jumping in blind. Also, Demon Slayer game comes out Friday. For those of you that are interested. It'll probably be out by the time you're listening to this. And then yeah. the last thing was Avatar tabletop RPG updates are back. We finally got updates. They took like a month off to go decompress after earning $10 million. Jesus Christ, what a number. Um, but that's back. February, hopefully, is still the release date. So we shall see. Hopefully, we're still here by then. And I will give you guys a report on that. Anyways, Bachelor in Paradise. Yes, we got a little off topic. <laughs> I was going to say, like, when we were talking about watch alongs, it's like, Bachelor, just every Bachelor show, I think you need to watch it with a group of people or like at least with another person, you know, like, I think that's what make like why this franchise is just so big, you know, it's just known for like, okay, every Monday night or well, now it's Tuesday night because of football, but it's like you get together with your friends, you like 
grab a bottle of wine, you know, you're just, you're going to watch this like trash show, but like, you know, you'll have fun like with your friends. And like, I think that's part of like the appeal of like this whole franchise is just, you know, you're just like watching a fun show with drama and like, there's a love aspect. So it's, you know, that's the whole reason to like, you know, like the show and root for the characters and root for the main person to actually find their person that they hopefully get engaged to at the end. Root for them to uh, make a connection, I think you would say. <laughs> to pull someone aside and yeah. can I steal you for a second? Them for a little bit. Yeah, can I steal you for a second. That was their favorite thing. They also like you're go just from not my person. That whole like Abigail breakup, like I, oh, I just don't man. think you're my person. That was brutal. Yeah. And that was the most screen time that either of them had gotten since the first episode. It's because they weren't good enough TV, I think. And it felt like at the beginning they were like, Oh, this is gonna be the couple and then they realized Noah had nothing to offer and they were both boring together. Which I mean you can be boring together and I'm if they're happy, they're happy. I mean they're back together now, so you know, it is what it is, but like, man, what a not good pair for paradise. I just don't know how you come back from like Noah, who was constantly telling Abigail, "You're not my person. You're not my person." I just want to let you know, you're not my person. How do you come back afterwards and be like, "Okay, we're still together"? I don't know. That was too much. The heart wants what the heart wants, even though the heart doesn't seem to know what it wants most of the time. Does anyone else have anything else they want to say about Bachelor in Paradise before we round out this episode? Yeah, pretty much. I kind of go into the nitty gritties of the crabs that they showed and, you know, (laughs) what happened to Tajwan's paper towels that she kept on using as she was sweating so hard. We could talk about how... uh... How Tammy got COVID on her birthday in 2020, but she had a worse time getting dumped on her birthday in 2021. And then the editors put that she was finally vaccinated at the end of the season. (laughs) The editors are the MVPs of that show. Like I said. In another life, I would have been a Bachelor Paradise editor. Who knows? Maybe maybe I'll graduate and I'll just go apply to ABC Black. Listen, I will go be your editor. I'm familiar with your work. I know how to do this. <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna be a contestant. I'm like, oh. You should, you should be like, oh, oh. Can we? Can I apply one of you onto the show? No, no, you may not. No, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> but Nick, you're I older. Like you'll be like, you're, you're like in that. You're in that like range for bachelor contestants. I'm too young. No, if okay. I want to get engaged on Bachelor in Paradise, I have to be at least ten years older than than the girls. So I I have to like wait another decade. That do be kind of true. Yeah, twenty three. I'm twenty three, and and imagining dating someone thirty five years old is just like that's completely different points in your life. I couldn't do that. I mean, like, yeah, in that amount of time, like Joe owned a grocery store and then sold it. <laughs> <laughs> Almost got married, got dumped, went to Bachelor in Paradise. His ex came back on the beach twice to try to be like, yo, I still love you. That was the funniest part of the finale. She came back in the finale like one more time. Like they just had to, they just had to squeeze a little bit more drama out of that, even though those two were never really anything more than amicable with each other. I don't know what the producers did to get or had on her or made, like convinced her to come back, but damn. 
that was just embarrassing for her and everyone. Uh, what are you going to do? Keep watching? Yeah, that was definitely my least favorite. That was my least favorite aspect of it was how many times they brought her back. I'm like, you don't need this. You don't need this subplot. It adds nothing to the rest of the show. It was the only drama of the entire three-hour finale. And maybe Riley saying, oh, I need to think about it more. And that was that, that was just all the drama they could get. But it was still a three-hour finale. Let's hope next year they can give us that one-hour where they now update. And then just make the finale two hours. I agree. You know what they always said, like in school, they've always said, don't get too attached to your material. Be Feel like comfortable getting rid of stuff bachelor in paradise feel comfortable getting rid of stuff please sometimes you just gotta cut that shit down you know that that's what they tell the editors you gotta cut it down yeah i think that's it for today's episode elena we want to thank you for being here thank you for sitting through all of our video game talk and then you know thank you for coming here to talk about bachelor we really do appreciate that of course, anytime I'll be here for Bachelor, even though maybe some of your yeah. listeners are not asking for that, but I will be here. <laughs> I can't wait to see the I can't wait to see the dip when we start talking about Bachelor <laughs> in the episode. It's just gonna. <laughs> we can mention this because I mean we don't really care. It's not like we have enough listeners to really care. But Manny looked at the analytics yeah. for that episode, and when it hit like the ninety minute point, I think something around there when when our Bachelor talk started. There was a distinct dip, a distinct dip in terms of listenership once we started talking about Bachelor. So this whole discussion is totally self-indulgent on our parts. But again, like I said a few weeks ago, it's our show and we're going to talk about whatever we want. Yeah. So, Lana, before you head out, uh, do you want to shout out your dogs? Because you have two awesome dogs. Want to shout them out? Yes. Please follow at Shiva.Vader on Instagram. They're two of... My pride, my pride and joy, <laughs> my two Shiba Inu dogs. If you want updates with for them, follow. The cool thing about our Discord is that we get exclusive access to a bunch of Shiba pics. It's the best. We do. Nick, yeah. let the people know where they can find you. All right, you can find me at Reeves underscore 117 on Twitter, Instagram, and on Letterboxd. If you want to see how I ranked all the James Bond movies, I have a list on there where I ranked everything from worst to best in the series. I don't have no time to die in there just yet. I'm going to wait to see it a couple more times, let let some time go by. Uh, but yeah, you can you can find me there. And you can find me on Twitter at StarWarsNerd9. Uh, I believe Letterboxd is Emmanuel Fuentes, just all one word, both of my my first and last name and i believe that's it and you know listen to the podcast wherever you are on the youtube page we didn't mention the youtube page uh nick and manny's infinite podcast youtube where we're going to be uploading uh, the episodes as well to all of the other platforms spotify anchor apple Podcasts, all the good stuff so make sure you listen to that and we will see you guys on the next episode bye everyone bye later